What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What would you say if I told you there's a book that can teach you how to win The Bachelor? What would you say if I told you producers caught multiple finalists reading that book in this season that's currently airing? What would you say if I told you the producers don't want anyone to know that their show has been compromised? How do we know all this? We wrote that book. I'm Lizzie Pace. And I'm Chad Colchin. We're the authors of How to Win the Bachelor and the hosts of the Game of Roses podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we break down all the biggest plays, errors, and MVPs in the game of reality television. Listen to Game of Roses wherever you get your podcasts and go to howtowinthebachelor.com to get our book. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hi, I'm Dave, and this is my wife, Kathy. Hello. And this is the Cinemile Podcast, where we walk home from the movies, and we have completed another year, 100% finished. Of walking home from the movies. Well, no, it's not the 31st yet. Um, it's yeah. the 27th. So, it is the 27th. We're out for a nice family walk in the park. Uh, and by family walk, I mean we're walking, and Oscar is asleep in his buggy. Yes. Uh, and this is our favourite episode of the year. We love this episode. It's the one that takes the most work, but it's the most amount of fun. And we yeah, talk strap through. in. We're going to talk a lot. We're going to talk a lot. We're going to talk about our best movies of the year, our worst movies of the year. We're going to talk about honourable mentions, second chance reviews, most surprising, most disappointing, guilty pleasures, and all those movies we missed that we should have seen. Yeah, and you're also going to hear from uh, some of our uh, get, uh, guests of Christmas past um, and some of our lovely uh, Patreon subscribers. Yeah. There's uh, lots of recommendations in this. Also, oh sorry, quick heads up: no spoilers for any movies. No spoilers for any. this, so uh, so we got loads of movies to chat through. Right, so, so you go first. What's your number five? My number five of the year, as ever. These movies are um, not shared, so I don't know what Dave has. Dave doesn't know what I have. Uh, but if, before I wanted to get to my number five, I did want to say thanks to everyone who supported us this year because we've had such a fun year on the podcast. Uh, we really we've had some amazing guests. We launched our Patreon, which we've loved doing. And we got to do our first ever live show at Latitude Festival, which was like absolute highlight of the year for me with a wonderful guest, Asif Kapadia. Um, and I just, I think we've, like, I love our podcast. I love it every year. And thank you everyone for listening and supporting us because we hugely appreciate it. Yes, they, I, I echo that. Uh, we love you guys. I love uh, that you love listening to this thing. Um, we hope that they love listening to it. Well, if, if, you, if you stuck it this far, <laughs> they must like it. Um, right, okay, on to my number five. Right, shut up, Dave, is what, <laughs> is what that means. Uh, my number five is Can You Ever Forgive Me? 
uh, which is a movie we saw much earlier this year with one of our wonderful guests, Craig Parkinson of the Two Shot Podcast. Um, and it's a movie that I loved watching and it's a movie that I really enjoyed and it's a movie I thought about a lot afterwards. And primarily the reason it's my fifth movie of the year is because my absolute favourite kind of movie is a movie that's character driven and that's really well acted and that has a small story, right? That like sums up a movie that I would love. Um, and, and with these lists, it's not necessarily that I'm saying these are the five best made movies this year. It's that these are my favourite movies this year. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, always worth a caveat. So when we're talking about the worst movies of the year, we're not necessarily saying they're very poorly made. We're just saying that we really didn't enjoy them. But also, sorry, that's that's what every list is. Well, by I the know, way, but because I'm just saying we don't, we're not making claims no, no, on quality here. I agree, but I think this is the problem with lists in general. People just end up saying, well, how could that be number four or I know. number five? It's like, so well, heavy these are my caveat. choices. These are my choice. Um, it was directed by Marielle Heller, who did Diary of a Teenage Girl, which is another movie I loved. And she's directed the upcoming movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Um, and it stars Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant, who are like two wonderful actors. I just love watching Richard E. Grant in anything. And for me, this is like a really surprising performance from Melissa McCarthy. I thought she was absolutely smashed this movie. And um, yeah, basically she plays someone... Uh, she, it's based on a, a real story by this woman, Lee Israel, wrote a biography called Can You Ever Forgive Me? Um, and basically Lee Israel was a writer who started forging letters from writers and selling them for lots of money and the title Can You Ever Forgive Me came from one of the letters that she had forged from Dorothy Parker so it's just a fascinating little story and gives an insight into the world of art dealings but really it's just a character study of these two lonely people and I thought it was really wonderful Cool Um, my number five of the year is Judy a film we saw relatively recently and a film I would never have guessed would be on my best I'm of the year li- I'm so happy it's on your list yeah I loved this movie I it dragged was- Dave to see this on my birthday because it was only on during the day <laughs> so Dave, Dave took a half day from work and we went to see Judy and I was so happy that he came yeah and it's a it's a uh, biopic uh, essentially um, not a biopic as you like to say um, <laughs> it's like potato potato uh, no, it isn't. Except it's no biography picture, not uh, a medical procedure. <laughs> it's about Judy Garland in her final days, in her final weeks, performing in uh, the West End in London. She's broke, she's down on her luck, and it's sort of cut together with flashbacks of her troubled childhood being a star in the studio system in Hollywood. I thought Renée Zellweger was absolutely incredible in this role um, I was really moved by her, I don't know a lot about Judy Garland um, and I really felt for her as a person I know she um, is a problematic person I'm sure and wasn't easy to live with but what, the, what, what was presented in this movie is somebody who is essentially a prisoner of their own talent um, somebody who is being Exploited by a system that is rinsing, um, rinsing every penny out of that person for for their own gain, and she's surrounded by people trying to do that, and that's a very interesting and isolating thing. And I think it is, and it, as a movie, it's reflective of in modern times the way we still treat celebrities, mm-hmm. um, because there is, as, as attractive as it is. 
it's still um, there's a cost there's a cost um, to being famous and Judy Garland paid a very high cost um, well I'm not going to speak of this movie because it may be a bit slightly higher on my list oh I, I see yeah. okay alright that's my number five okay my number four is a movie we actually didn't review on the podcast because um, I missed it in the cinema and Dave hasn't seen but it's one that I caught on demand recently and I absolutely loved it's called Late Night um, Dave do you know it it's no. Uh, screenplay by Mindy Kaling. Oh, and Emma stars, Thompson. Yeah, stars oh, Mindy yeah, Kaling yeah. and Emma Thompson. Good. So good. And it's directed by Nisha Ganatra, who um, worked on Dear White People, which we really like, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So, like, good pedigree. Written by Mindy Kaling. Um, so, written, directed by women, which I love. And do you know what? It's just such... It's Again, it's this very small movie. I can see why it came and went and I missed it in the cinema. Because it's that kind of a movie that just is very rarely made now which is kind of mid-budget good talent focusing on a uh, a small enough story and what it is is basically that Emma Thompson plays Catherine Newbery who's a late night talk show host who's been running for 30 years but she's losing her audience like her content isn't edgy it isn't relevant and it's like an all-white male writer's room right and they're all very complacent Um, and then Molly shows up who's Mindy Kaling and they acknowledge her as a diversity hire they're like oh we need an Asian woman so she can do it and she kind of shakes it all up but so Mindy Kaling's brilliant I love her anyway Emma Thompson is so good in this movie like I really love her Um, and it just I had seen this quite recently before I'd seen Last Christmas (laughs) Um, and this reminded me thank god what a good actress Emma Thompson is because I might have forgotten otherwise um, and John Lithgow is in this he plays uh, Emma Thompson's husband and he's wonderful in it but what I love about this movie is first of all it made me laugh a lot secondly I love things that are set like around Hollywood and about writing so it's right up my alley but it's just a really interesting construct because it's effectively constructed like a rom-com in terms of setup, but it's actually about a pl- the, the wrong bit is actually a platonic relationship between two women which I really liked so you've got all the adver- you know the fighting and the adversity and the, all the rest of it but it's, it's ultimately about their working relationship so I found that really interesting um, so I really recommend it I'm probably sure a lot of you would have missed it as well just because it had so so little cinema time so check it out I really really recommend it and then one other person who I love is um Reed Scott has got a really small role and we know him as Dan from Veep and we love him in Veep so he's great in this as well and he's like the head writer of the writer's room and he's like really cross when she comes in and there's loads of like funny lines in it like where the men are like ooh I wish it was a woman of colour and then I could get any job I want like all this kind of stuff you know like it's nothing's as hard as it is for a white man in America Uh, so it's funny but Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling are like brilliant together sounds like Joker Um, (laughs) yeah which was uh, also had a, a very prominent late night talk show host. It's true. Featured. I would say it's nothing like Joker for you now. Okay, <laughs> it's a very uh, it's something that gets um, featured a lot. The behind the scenes of late night talk shows. Well, particularly uh, on the TV. Gary Shandling show. Yeah, it tends to be right. Gary like, you Sanders, know, was it? Um, studio. No, Larry Sanders. See on the sunset. Sorry. You've got like Thirty Rock. Yeah. Um, at the, actually, at the time after um, we don't read reviews before we watch <clears throat> movies, but I was reading reviews after I watched this. And I think it was Peter Bradshaw. Somebody said that um, 
ironically this this movie might have benefited from a writer's room like a classic TV show and not just have been written by one person because they said they felt like there could have been more jokes but that was partially because they're used to watching 30 Rock with this joke every 30 seconds <laughs> right yeah, yeah, um, yeah so there certainly isn't a joke every 30 seconds in this one but um, yeah it's a lovely little movie though okay. I really recommend great my number four of the year and, and basically four through one were so tight for me any one of these could have been my number one of the I year I find that hard well, as well my number one stood out but my five to two were slightly interchangeable and it's really hard to rank them also I've just realised I'm just going to disagree with myself because my number one was always going to be my number one <laughs> but four through two are pretty much interchangeable uh, but I've somehow managed to put uh, Knives Out at number four uh, which you and I saw very recently. Yes, yeah, so we've it, done a big review on Knives uh, Out in the last month, so check it out. Yeah, go find that if you want the full thoughts. Uh, but it's still in the cinemas, so if you haven't seen it, I really encourage you go to go see it. Go see it. This is a, a Ryan Johnson, uh, written and directed by Ryan Johnson, an amazing cast uh, playing a fun whodunit in a, an old mansion. Uh, it plays with murder mystery tropes. Um, it is funny. It is unexpected. Um, it is a movie that keeps you guessing throughout. Um, and then, like, at certain points will just completely change what the movie is about. It's it's so unexpected in wonderful ways. Um, and it's testament to Ryan Johnson, uh, um, who is constantly pushing the boundaries of cinematic storytelling deliberately and I don't always agree with his choices I'm not like The Last Jedi yeah well I didn't agree with everything in The Last Jedi I think overall that wasn't a great movie but mostly I love his work I loved Brick and Looper love Looper uh, or uh, Brothers Bloom I wasn't a fan of um, but he's somebody who is always presents something that you probably haven't seen before Mm -hmm. which is something I really appreciate in modern filmmaking and besides that it's, it is very clever and enjoyable but it's just got a cast that are just having an absolute blast um, Daniel Craig in particular uh, is absolutely wonderful as Benoit Blanc the private investigator uh, southern fried uh, style um, and apparently we're getting more we're getting more Benoit so Blanc excited. movies. Which Benoit I, Blanc forever. I could watch forever and I'd yeah. much rather watch that than James Bond. Well, I have a bit more to say about this movie, but it may be higher up on my list, so I'm going to hold off on right. that one. Okay. Um, well, what's next? Now, next on my list is one you've already <laughs> We just mentioned. know your list now. Yeah. It's just constructed I know. In why, do we, why do we so many <laughs> of the same movies? It usually doesn't Oh, happen. I wonder, because we just go to the same movies well, together. Well, no, but this usually doesn't happen. Um, oh, so my third <laughs> movie is Judy. Um, okay. To kind of just add a little bit to what you said... Um, hugely emotional I found this really wonderful study of a woman in the kind of final months of her life like you I don't know that much about Judy Garland but I have that very deep like affinity and love for her and I think that so many people around the world have and I it really does come from how much I watched The Wizard of Oz as a little girl and I just I loved her so I, I, I went into this movie loving her and being on her side as you said I'm sure she's very difficult but I was on her side in the movie um, director Rupert Gould and it was an adaptation of the West End and Broadway play End of the Rainbow but really what I want to talk about and you didn't really touch on is Renee Selwiger's performance I mean God I knew she was a good actress but like she's just truly her performance completely elevates this movie it's a good movie anyway but her performance makes it a classic. She's a really wonderful actress. She's a really wonderful singer. And I'm so happy that she's 
I mean, as we're recording this, all the big awards haven't really been announced yet, but she's already up for a Critics' Choice and a Golden Globe. No doubt she'll be up for an Oscar. Um, and I think this was the best single performance I've seen from an actor all year. Uh, truly moving. And honestly, yeah. I mean, if you can sit through this, oddly, my little sister Elizabeth did, and not cry... <gasps> Then you're a monster, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. <laughs> you're dead inside. Um, honestly, I was absolutely. I just spent the whole movie waiting for her to sing "Over the Rainbow." Like I could barely. I was like on the edge of my seat, just waiting for "Over the Rainbow." But Renee Zellweger is something else. Like she's a phenomenon. So the, that's what the elevated the movie for me to a third position. She not only nails somewhere over the rainbow, but like does a full uh, like emotional arc in that song. Oh like God, the, she's performing the acting during that song and the way she delivers it conveys uh, a lifetime of heartbreak and emotion and hope and promise and how she interacts with her children like watching her as a mother watching her as a yeah she's complicated diva, because you her. don't you look at her and she's not a good mother essentially in, me- well. in sorry in many ways she is not doing the right thing by her child but, but then, in, she, but then f- ultimately is well intentioned and and she loves her children yes, that's all you exactly. can ask um, and, and, and look that's all, that's all parents are doing and most parents are just trying to do trying make the best choices and for their children and what's fascinating is like and you see this a lot actually in real uh, life the financial ruin that somebody can be experiencing who has been so rich at a point in their life and I do find that like truly fascinating and obviously there was like lots around the studio system and you know kind of what we now know as the Me Too movement this happens all the time treatment that's been going on in Hollywood forever and like the treatment she got as a young girl um, so I, I really recommend this movie if you if you miss it in the cinema go and catch it yes okay Dave my number three of the year is a movie we saw mere days ago um, <laughs> so no recency bias whatsoever no so I mean this is problematic in some ways because often something is more prominent in your memory but also the best often the best movies come out towards the end of the year anyway because that's awards season yes it's a bit of a chicken true. and egg thing and this isn't really an, a, a, an awards type movie um, as, as you're suggesting um, but this is a, a Netflix film that got released very recently, and it's Klaus, the um, origin story of Santa, basically. It's, it's wonderful. It's Santa Begins. Um, and it, it, in many ways, it really just is that, because the director, Sergio Pablo, um, who is a, a Spanish animator and writer who is responsible for the Despicable Me franchise. Oh, wow. He created that um, and must so he's got be a lot a, of money then. Must be absolutely <laughs> minted. Does he make money from like the minion sales? Man, the man made the minions, so he <laughs> is like he must be swimming in it. So much so that he set up his own studio, and his own animation studio called I think Sergio Pablo Studios. Why not? I'd call my studio Cathy. Why not? Studio yeah, and um, he and this is their. I think this is their first film. It's at the very least, it's his directorial debut. This film, Klaus. Um, and he's also a guy who came up through the Disney system in the 90s. He worked on Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, wow. uh, Treasure Planet. Um, and there's a lot of the, the animation, the art style of this movie does hark back to those, I don't, I feel like those classic 90s style of uh, 2D animation. Yeah, well, that's what I loved about it because I really did love this movie, albeit it's not my top five, but I love the 2D animation for sure. It just, it it's, feels more classic to me. It is, it's kind of classic while with a modern edge. 
It's got that um, classic with the modern edge. That sounds like a bad aftershave. No, but it does. It looks. It lo- I'm not. I, I'd lo- I'm going to dig into the behind the scenes stuff of this because I haven't had time. Um, but it's got that sort of um, the way Spider Verse pushed forward animation style. It feels like the, I don't think this was hand drawn, but it looks 2D and hand drawn. But it's got 3D elements. But they've been blended particularly well. Did you say and, that it was people <coughs> who worked on Into the Spider Verse? I believe some of the animators crossed uh, crossed over. It doesn't surprise me from a um, quality point of view. For anyone who doesn't know, Into the Spider Verse was your number one movie. Yeah, God, year. I love that movie. Anyway, <laughs> and this 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 kind of is like that because it's story first, um, and this is a story that was written and directed by Sergio Pablo. So I'm just super impressed by him in general. So you love him now. I love Dave him. Na- I love him now. Um, but I also like for many many years my favorite working studio. Um, and and the things I used to look mo- f- forward to most were Pixar, um, Pixar movies. They were, and, like, then and I'm talking like, <laughs> but no, not necessarily. But uh, um, there was a period of gold. The golden age of Pixar for me was, uh, you know, Nemo, Up, um, Wall-E, all these kind of things. And and that was just a studio like shooting on all cylinders. And this feels like a bit like that. Just like it's a, like the new kid in town. A very. Um, a very well put together and thought out story with real genuine warmth Such and heart. Such a good story, and we cried so much. I mean, I know we keep talking about how much we cried, but like it's to watch really it over beautiful. Christmas was wonderful. But it's a very neatly constructed screenplay that um, int- not a single character is wasted. Everyone has something to do. They all develop. Everyone gets emotional payoff. And um, we kept saying we don't know where it's going. Like we couldn't figure it out. No, it's it's but it's even though you know it's a Santa Claus origin story, it um it, it, it will surprise you. It, it the the construction around that is genuinely original, um and doesn't play and and oh God, I just love it. It's also really really funny and sweet and warm. It's it's for me. It's it's a it's a perfect film and one I will sounds like it should have been your number one day. Watch every year. Well, that's what I kind of said. They're all a bit interchangeable. Yeah, I mean, it's really me. hard to rank five movies that when you watch as many movies as we do in the year. But also, I think it's important to recommend this because it's the kind of thing that Netflix, who release so much content, it could just get missed. Yeah, because um, all that's on the front of Netflix at the moment is that Witcher. Like we had to go searching yeah. for Klaus because we'd heard about it from somebody else. Um, yeah, shout out to Tom Silcock. Thanks for the recommendation. Um, okay, great. And then my number two is one we did review like only in the last couple of weeks. So I won't talk about it too much because we did a very uh, long review on it actually. But it's Marriage Story. So directed by Noah Baumbach and starring Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. Also on Netflix. Netflix are like pulling a blinder this year. Um, it was. It did have a small cinematic release, but again, we missed it. Um, we really struggle to see any relatively smaller independent movies because when they do get a showing, it's infrequent. And you know, when you're going on like a Friday night, they tend not to be on. Um, so I was so happy this was on Netflix because I'm a big Noah Baumbach fan. But just what was so wonderful about this movie was, again, similar to the, some of the other ones I discussed, is it's a small story, but it's a very big story in two people's lives. Um, it's about a couple who are going through a divorce and how they're dealing with the custody of their son and Adam Driver is just unbelievable in this movie right he's I mean I've always loved him he's a great actor god help him he did his best in Star Wars but like he is something else in this movie and Scarlett Johansson was a complete delight and a surprise for me I never knew she was this good an actress because 
I while I've seen Adam Driver in a lot of kind of indie stuff and like I've seen him in Brooklyn settings because I watched all of Girls and loved Girls. Um, this is like Scarlett Johansson. Like I really only know her from kind of like Avengers and stuff like that. Um, so to see her in this kind of role, I found really delightful. Well, um, we're watching Under the Skin tonight. We as are well. watching Under the Skin tonight for our Patreon because yeah. um, that won the most recent uh, rewatch poll. But yeah, I just was blown away, honestly, and it really deeply affected me um, watching the effect of all this on the kid, on the couple. And again, there's no point in me labouring it because we did discuss it loads only, I think, only two weeks ago. Um, but it's truly something I totally recommend you watch it on Netflix I probably don't recommend you watch it if you're going through a divorce or a separation with your partner because it's very raw like there's a scene there's a couple of scenes between them that are like really tough to watch Um, there's also a lot of humour I think it's been just done fantastically uh, and I think Noah Baumbach is an unbelievable director and for anyone who's interested um uh, I don't know if anyone's listened to the Alec Baldwin podcast, right? It's called Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin. I love that podcast. And he does great interviews. And he interviews Noah Baumbach about this movie. And I really recommend that episode because I find it just really interesting to listen to after I'd seen the movie. So I totally recommend that as well. Um, and totally recommend you watch the movie over on Netflix. Good, me too. It's a, a brilliant movie. Um, but it's not my number two. Ooh. My number two is a movie you haven't seen, but I think you would like, is Midsummer. Uh, well, I don't like horror movies. Yeah, but you liked Hereditary, which was the first movie by True. this um, by this director Ari Aster, uh, who I believe wrote this as well. Um, should have done my fact checks. Hey, um, this is the one episode of the year we prepped for. <laughs> you could have done this. I'm pretty confident he did. Um, this is an incredible movie and one that has uh, stayed with me more than I think any other movie this year in terms of like haunts me well this got um, a lot of feedback from when we asked people their best and worst movies of the year this one showed up a lot yeah you're going to hear that at the end of this episode because <laughs> um, we, so, we've got some, some listeners um, who give us some audio messages and yeah it's either the best or worst for a lot of people <laughs> which is quite funny and I, and I kind of get that I think it's not it's not an easy movie to watch necessarily but I think it's an incredible um, an incredibly well thought out achievement um, and I think he is him and Mike Flanagan, um, to me, are the two most interesting voices in horror movie making today. This is very obsessed with character, and your central character is, um, forget the name of the character, but her, it's, she's played by Florence Pugh, who is, I think, my breakout star of the year. Oh, she is having a good year. Oh my God, yeah, Little Women, which I'm very excited for. But also we saw um, Fighting f- for, uh, my, for family. my Family, which was... Uh, Really nice little movie by Stephen Merchant, and she's the centre of that as she's well. Brilliant, and she's in the upcoming what's it called, Black Widow. Oh yeah, yeah, she's, she she's Scarlett Johansson's sister. Scarlett Johansson. Anyway, I mean, she's, what a role! She's a real up and comer, and is I don't think she's an up and comer. I think she's yeah, she's up. She's came and she's, she's here. She's up and and has has came. Yeah, um, but I love co- when you've never heard of these actresses and then or actors, and suddenly then every movie you see they're in and you like how did this happen who's their agent I want this this is amazing like, well, like she, she, yes there. I mean there's a lot of that but yeah. there's a, and there's you know there's a bit of luck and someone working everyone working hard but she's able to back it up with well, talent well apparently she's amazing she's, in Little Women which we haven't seen she's insanely talented and I'd love for you to watch this movie to experience her performance but also the journey that character is put on because a little like Hereditary this deals a lot with grief um, Hereditary is like it was was to be fair such a good movie and so disturbing. Yes. <laughs> um, so this this deals with 
And this is also very disturbing. Um, but it's, um, I think it's even better than hereditary, if you ask me. But it's, uh, it deals with grief, um, toxic relationships, um, and also the. In many ways, it presents interesting villains who you kind of sympathize with because your protagonists are kind of so awful. So there's the purity of um, these villagers, and then there's the sort of um, these these um, American students coming in with all their negativity and baggage and selfishness. So that there's it, 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 the movie doesn't make it easy for you to be presented with heroes and villains. So it's got something to say about society. It's got something to say about the grieving process, um, and it's genuinely very. Um, a very unique world in which he created and brought to life with this blistering daylight. It's just all so bright and colourful, which is not the trappings of a horror movie. Um, it's a brilliant movie. I love it. I want to watch it again. It stuck with me. Um, I left the cinema just, like, stunned and a bit sick uh, and a bit sort of uh, confused as well, <laughs> which I think is that all these... It made me feel things, is what I could have summed it up in one sentence. Uh, okay. So I'll stop talking now, but... Um, I want to watch that again I'd love for you to watch it and I'd recommend people give it a go you may not like it but um, I think that's okay okay um, it does sound really good to be fair where are you taking it. us this is the muddiest path in the world yeah we're <laughs> we like to record these walking around in the park and um, I just got bored of walking around well, we had a nice little route going there I got and bored now... of looping the playground right. Uh, right, what's your number? What I, I, so you're, we're on to your number one of the year, and I have no idea what it is. I'm racking my brain. Okay, well then you missed the cue from earlier because it's, oh, knives, it's knives Out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason I picked Knives Out is because it is the movie that I have to say gave me the most joy this year. And um, I agree with every single thing you said about it. Like I was just so happy watching Knives Out. I was just, I was just sitting there with a massive smile on my face. It, it ran at an amazing pace for me and even for a second got bored and I do get bored in movies and when they are long and this is relatively long um, I love murder mysteries as I said I love character stories and this is just a character driven story with a phenomenal plot kind of effectively in one setting an amazing cast um, and really truly wonderfully written and put together by Ryan Johnson like hat off to him he's amazing it's very funny as well isn't it and it's, it's got so sharp dialogue funny and I just like like again look we've just done a review of this so please go back and listen to that if you want a bigger one if but, you just want to hear us gushing yeah. for half an hour <laughs> well, you can actually hear the joy in our voices like you know sometimes we come out of the cinema and we're quite deflated or a bit tired but we came out of Nice Out we were like it's just satisfying and I told my whole family to go and watch it and actually every single member of my family went to watch it and all loved it as much as we did and I don't often like you know say to everyone no no like you really need to go and see this you'll really love this movie and it was just I I was really I was happy knowing they were going to see it because it's like spreading the joy I was on the train to work I heard people talking about how much they loved it like people love this movie and um, like Daniel Craig was really like I'm really amazed at him in this movie because frankly I only know Daniel Craig from James Bond and I've always found him a bit dry so to see him in this performance was like a real surprise for me and one that I really enjoyed um, they're, all, like, they're all amazing um, absolutely every bit of it I loved and I think the story was so clever and actually I've been reading a lot of Agatha Christie lately I read Murder on the Orient Express before we went to see this movie kind of as a bit of background like research because I know it's like he was inspired by her and forgot to talk about it in the review 
but he does so many good elements from Agatha Christie. And then I've since bought a book of her short stories that I've been enjoying and I love like Murder She Wrote is my favourite TV show ever. I just love murder mysteries and like we did watch um Murder Mystery on Netflix earlier in the year which I enjoyed but this is like I have a feeling that he's just kicked off a new genre and a returning genre hit now yes like I yeah. think everyone's going to be doing whodunits yeah, and, uh, and, and it, so they should because it made a lot of money as well so I feel like it's so good you're like, right that we're going to get a lot of copycats here but, but I don't you, think it's that easy but all you need for a good film is a good script good actors and a good you know a good director like what and what annoys me and why I've steered clear of those movies in my top five as much as I enjoy them you know I'm not a snob I enjoy blockbusters really enjoy blockbusters um, they're just not the movies I want to see made like I'm bored of them what I want to see is good film with good characters that's good fun that I enjoy and there's absolutely no reason for anyone to be spending hundreds of millions of dollars to make movies it's just not necessary and I just want to see movies where actors get to shine like to see um, like Daniel Craig is miserable in James Bond movies he's come out himself and say he'd basically <laughs> yeah. rather die than do another one um, Chris what's his face is miserable doing the Marvel movies um, like those actors don't like being in those movies after a while they get sick of them and they're desperate to get out of their contracts so to see the joy of um, yeah, what's sorry. his name Chris see, see, see also the uh, press junkets with the um, Rise of Skywalker cast yeah like, <laughs> like they're like, no fun for those actors they're acting in front of blue screens with CGI they've got nothing to do and you can just tell everyone in this movie is having like the time they're enjoying themselves as much as we're enjoying watching it um, and I feel like now Ryan Johnson can approach any actor about anything and he will get it made oh people will be lining yeah. up for the next one like, this like, is what uh, this but, is an but, actor's dream it's like marriage story like any actor would want to be in a Noah Baumbach movie now right but how fun if we get when we get more Benoit Blanc movies I hope he just assembles like a different stellar oh, cast each time it will have to be oh it's going to be it such won't work. a laugh you could never do the same story again you, you make such an interesting point though about he may have just revitalised an entire genre oh, in cinema by himself like, and I mean I, and it's I so hope huge on TV like people like the biggest shows in the world on TV like actual biggest shows in the world are Law and Order CSI um, Navy whatever like they're the biggest movies because shows uh, sorry shows all those half hour things or those hour long kind of pre- uh, procedural shows because people love who done it and like I think it's been lacking in film so I think hats off to Ryan Johnson he's amazing and I love him yeah and I, I, I welcome that as well because I agree with you I have um I think horror um, is still going strong at cinema and my number two and I just discussed um, and Doctor Sleep was amazing this year there's a lot of great horror being produced because it's that's low budget and low risk ne- relevant and has high return yeah. so it makes sense for studios and I think murder mysteries could easily fit within that bracket as well these don't cost a lot to make um, and look at one of the biggest things in the UK at the moment for entertainment is escape rooms people love them like yeah. people love flexing their brains and like you know trying to figure stuff out um, but Dave can I guess you're number one um, oh, go on then I have a feeling <laughs> Though we've not discussed it, but because it's not been anywhere else in your top five, I just have a slight feeling that the movie that's your number one is exactly what I said I'm sick sick of in cinema. Yes, right. It's Avengers (laughs) Endgame. Um, And I totally agree with you. I am... I'm also... Before I gush about this movie for a little bit, I'm going to say I'm also... um, exhausted by franchise... I have franchise fatigue now. And looking back over this year... Besides this, which really delivered me a very um, profound emotional experience, personally, um, I 
there's no other big franchise movies that I th- enjoyed or thought were good. Um, most of them are, uh, and there's even ones that from beloved things from my childhood, like The Men in Black, which I didn't even bother going to see. Um, I just feel like we're just on a treadmill of of uh, nostalgia mining. Um, That's and why Knives Out is so good because it was it's a purely original movie, which yes. is very rare. So rare, not based on a book, not based on a movie, not based on a video game. Yeah. Um, Book one, but tell us said, how much you love Endgame. <laughs> but, but that said, I absolutely, I've had, I had a transcendent cinematic experience <laughs> with with this movie, and so it's a lot of it's just down to personal taste and nostalgia is rooted in um, the you know trying to recapture your childhood. And you liked Endgame for a lot more than that, right? But I liked Endgame. All of that I brought, I brought to the cinema. But what that movie brought was a very, very satisfying um, and rewarding conclusion to a 22-movie series, which, when you say it out loud... Insane. ...is insane that they managed to not only get out that many movies that are, for the most part, um, of a very consistent and high standard, if you ask me. I know they're not for everybody. Um, They're certainly well made. But they all all just kept feeding into a larger thing and this is where we got to. Well, what it has is a vision which is very coherent, I think. Give or take a couple of exceptions which I may talk about later. Yeah, they didn't always get it right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's, I mean, it's some feat to have done it and I personally really enjoyed Endgame despite myself. But besides all that, it was, yeah, it was just a... fun watch oh my god it was so fun um, and emotional I, w- I cried so many times I saw it twice uh, and I will watch it again and the I, I was devastated both times by the end of this movie absolutely floored me because we've spent so much time with these characters they paid them off in the most perfect way it felt like the movie where we got to hang with the character like we got more time with the characters didn't it like I felt like I knew Scarlett Johansson more than I ever had and I, I, I yeah. felt like there was a room for them to breathe which is sometimes lacking in these movies but how, you're right for something that is could so easily have become uh, plot 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 noise 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 um this is a movie that in its opening 15 minutes does something unexpected and then hits the brakes and slows down and then spends a lot of time with with character. A lot of time. The whole middle section of this movie is that. Um, and not to shit on Star Wars again, but that's exactly <laughs> the opposite. Uh, of, and that's, again, that's uh, p- people love that movie and that's cool. The subjective. But for me, that, didn't, that movie didn't deliver on any of those fronts. This movie uh, had more characters and more work to do and did it far better. Uh, and... And was just funny and heartfelt and I, I can't describe enough how happy I was the sitting in this movie being surprised and delighted and happy. I just walked out so insanely happy I wanted to watch it again <laughs> immediately. However, that all said, I think I think I might need a break. Uh, I need a break from Marvel movies and they're not going to give it to me <laughs> good uh, luck to you on so that so now one. I'm so I, so I feel like my relationship with this studio might sour a little bit I feel like just re- never we're forget at a real game. high we're at a real high here people and I fear for what's next because I don't I'm not like pumped for Black Widow prequels and um, whatever else is coming so yeah we'll um, 
We'll see what the future brings. But I'll never forget the joy in your face when we left Endgame. It was more than our wedding day, the day our son was born. <laughs> not the true. The day we not. found out I was pregnant again. <laughs> uh, nothing will ever beat the Endgame. And I'm happy. And I was happy I enjoyed it too because actually I would have hated... I would have hated to also myself have spent 22 movies with this franchise and not like the last yeah. one because I have put a lot of involuntary time into that cinematic universe um, but it's so, it's so rare it's just so rare to be ex- so excited for by something and then to have your expectations met, met yeah. and exceeded I mean yeah, it's very it's rare an absolute like mir- it's a miracle out. that they pulled off because I was expecting Knives Out to be brilliant because I'd heard everyone saying it was brilliant and it really delivered and that is like all you want right to just feel joy when you leave the cinema yeah Um so right, we need to take a break now because officially I'm actually now nine months pregnant. Uh, it's less than four weeks. You're giving birth. You're in labour right no, now. Is I that what, why we need to take a break? break take a break. <laughs> I, so, like the, I like that you let me finish my end game. Right yes, I will always let you talk comes. about end game because I'm a very nice wife. Um, so we're going to actually cut now to uh, our first guest contributions of the year. We've got Helen O'Hara and Chris Hewitt, who are two of our favourite past guests. We love them, and they've actually recorded their best and worst of the year cinema style for us. Hello, Dave and Kathy. Hello, Dave and Kathy. Uh, this is Chris Hewitt and Helen O'Hara. Hello. From the Empire Podcast. And uh, we, in true cinema fashion, have decided to <laughs> record our contribution to your year-end special by going for a bit of a walk. We are so on brand right now. Yeah, My goodness. Also your for, brand. Your, yes, indeed. Uh, it's, a, it's a good idea, and I might nick it. Hey, we Actually, should do it's this. It's a really this good idea. Yeah. yeah. The film walk. Get our steps up. The I think film walkers. Work. Walkie film. Anyway... Um, yes, uh, we live fairly near each other, so we decided to meet up and go for a little little stroll in the beautiful December rain. And uh, you wanted to ask us about our worst films of the year and our best films of the year. Helen, you start with your worst. What's your worst well, film I of the think, year? I think we agree on this. I think it's Six Underground, which yes. went straight to Netflix. I mean, great cast, you know, obviously Ryan Reynolds leading it. Michael Bay directing, which is not always a terrible thing. It can be good. But in this case... Two of his films are in the Criterion Collection, Helen. I, Two. I believe you, Chris. I would never doubt it. But It's, it's, it's an empirical fact. But this, this film... It will not be in the Criterion Collection. <laughs> it will not. Because it's dreadful. The script is terrible. He's lost the ability to direct action, judging by this. Um, almost deliberately so, it seems. Yeah. It's almost like he's been avant-garde with it. But uh, it's an incoherent, sloppy, smug mess that has a really sort of lackadaisical attitude towards collateral damage mm-hmm. and the cost of human life. Yes. And as much as I love... Hey, how do you guys do this, by the way? Because I've been walking and talking now for about a minute and a half, and I'm absolutely <laughs> fucked. Anyway, um, yes, as much as I love a bit of Ryan Rodney Reynolds, um, his, his persona doesn't, doesn't always fit every genre, I would say. No, and if he keeps trying to do Deadpool in every genre, we might get tired. It's indeed. Possible. So we recommend very strongly that you do not watch Six Underground or indeed any of the sequels that they're threatening. Seven Underground, Eight Underground, <laughs> and who knows? Nine one overground. day possibly, you know, twenty-five Overground. Overground? That's a, that's a train. Uh, but yes, it's terrible. But anyway, Helen, are we aligned also on our best film of the year? Well, you know, it's one of my. I have kind of a top four that are kind of interchangeable. Of course, but you yes. Do. Sure, let's sure. go with that. Indeed. It is Six Underground. No. No? No. Oh, I got confused. It um, is. Well, because I'm a big old walk-in self-parody, yeah. my film of the year is legit, genuinely, Avengers Endgame. There may be better pieces of cinema that have come out during the year, but nothing 
made me have all the feels the way that Avengers Endgame and in particular a couple of moments have in fact there's one moment in Avengers Endgame that has made me have the feels in a way that very few things in my actual life have done so yes uh, it yes. is an incredible achievement the culmination somehow of what was then a 22 part story yeah. never been done before even the carry on films didn't run into each other the way they these do, <laughs> these do. and uh, somehow and probably, despite all the characters, despite all the moving parts, they managed to stick the landing. Which I've learned is a gymnastics reference. I told you. I know, but people won't have heard that podcast yet. Okay. And uh, not about landing a plane. Anyway, Helen. Yeah, no, I love it to death. Uh, I love it 3,000, in fact. It's, um, <laughs> it's just incredible. I, like everything Chris said. But also, you know, visually it's dazzling, but it also does devote time to the characters. And these are people that you have, or like, at least I have, come to love over the past 10 years and I think it gives all of them something to do some kind of moment of you know importance and humanity and alienness in some cases and it just works I absolutely love it anyway I think you asked for a 30 second clip I'm so sorry we have we have uh, over delivered if anything and this probably isn't even usable but anyway we wanted to wish you guys a happy new year happy Christmas great 2020 and uh, here's to many more Sydney miles over the years. And I hope you guys don't mind about film walkie. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh-huh. But we have to go to Milwaukee to do it. Film walkie in Milwaukee. Film walkie in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the only way it'll work. With Fred Lillard and yeah. Matthew Lillard. Also, they can't sue us in Milwaukee because of the <laughs> non-extradition policy that that city has. Anyway, bye, David and Kathy. Bye. It's been fun. Bye. Thanks, Helen and Chris. And uh, really looking forward to listening to... Film walkie in Milwaukee. Yeah, I can't wait. It's a very specific premise. We won't, in a very we specific won't sue place. you. You just have to share the profits. <laughs> it's fine. Wait, there's it's profits? 80 20 split. 80 to a, us. Can you make money in podcasting? Well, they probably can. We can't. <laughs> All right. Um, we are now going to do our worst movies of the year. And again, this is subjective. This is what Don't we did. Don't troll us. <laughs> <laughs> These are movies that did not bring us joy. Yes. No joy was found no joy. for us and in these movies. And speaking of no joy, on, the first movie on my list is Joker. <laughs> ah. Um, no, Joker. Joker, yeah. Uh, just a movie that I hated from start to finish, despite knowing there's some good elements in it. Like, I think Joaquin Phoenix is brilliant. Obviously, it was very well shot. It looked great. Um, but, yeah, I was truly um, upset after seeing it. I felt miserable after seeing it. I... I anyone who asked me if I would recommend it I said frankly no I wouldn't recommend it you need to be in a very good headspace to see this movie um, and do not go if you're not if you're not feeling good or maybe if you're on your own or if it's late and you're tired like I had so many caveats to like whether or not people <laughs> should see this movie and ultimately I just really didn't enjoy it and frankly so you have to watch it first thing in the morning after a coffee yeah, on the best day of the of year on Christmas day <laughs> no no like height of summer I'd say <laughs> Um, and I mean obviously it garnered lots of controversy and there was really kind of differing reviews on it but um, not for me not surprised it's grossing nearly a billion dollars because of course lots of people loved it Um, but yeah not for me and I hope he doesn't show up in the new universe with you know the Robert Pattinson one because I'm done with it I don't don't think that's happening well I read an interview with Todd Phillips actually last week where he was saying that 
um, you know, there's a reading of this movie where, like, actually, he's a, he's a mad Joker's imagined. Oh the whole my thing, god! Which really annoys me. It's like, don't just suddenly say your movie could have been completely imagined by I, the protagonist. I read that as well. That's yeah. infuriating. <laughs> and like, it kind of even makes me hate the movie more, to be honest. So anyway, Joker, top of my watch list. You can't be like, oh, what if it was all a dream? Yeah. I mean, way to undercut your whole yeah. movie. Or it's like, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, um, what's on top of your list? Uh, well, I didn't like order these or anything, oh, okay. and I only found two because uh, I. Love I just love all movies except these two um, the first one is Bird Box it was the first film we reviewed this year uh, back in January Netflix exclusive uh, sort of horror sci-fi thing with uh, Sandra Bullock in which everyone has to wear blindfolds because <laughs> if you look at these monsters um, then you you want to kill yourself you do something yeah I can't even remember what you that's do the, that's the plot of this movie uh, which isn't a spoiler you find that out in the first five minutes um which I guess is an interesting idea. It's like a quiet place, but what if seeing instead of hearing? <laughs> um, but a quiet place is a masterpiece compared to this. I mean, it's a brilliant movie anyway, but when you compare it to this, you're like, Jesus, lads, look at what they did and look at what you did uh, and take stock because this is a bad, bad movie. Um, and yet everyone, including us, watched it on like New Year's Day last year. Everyone this, watched this, year. this because it... yeah, it, it was on Netflix. I think, I think, Why not? I think I'm right in saying it is... Netflix rarely release their numbers, but they do occasionally to brag. Um, and they released them for this because it was a phenomenal success. I think... Uh, probably it's a great release strategy though New Year's Day everyone's sick of going out no yeah. one's got any money for the cinema like this is why I do like watching stuff on Netflix because particularly the things they've pushed like this because it is a zeitgeist thing like you can chat like everyone's chatting about it like everyone will have seen it and my favourite thing is like talking about movies with people so I actually got some pleasure from Bird Box because I enjoyed all the discourse I got some pleasure as well because I trashed it <laughs> to all hell so go listen to that I won't speak anymore what's, what's next for you? Uh, some way I call it sad Astra I call it bad Astra oh <laughs> wait yeah. you liked this at the time I like no I, th- I mean I thought yeah, you did. I thought it was good like grand and the more I thought about it wait afterwards. you thought it was good grand and, and now it's your worst film of the it's year it's in my list because no Joker's my worst film of the year um, right. they're not really ordered um just Brad Pitt was so bad in it. I'm sorry, Brad Pitt. I know you're an avid listener, right? But honestly, what was going on in this movie? The more, again, the more I chat about it afterwards and talk to people, which is often when I reflect, I was like, what was that? And it had so so much potential, and I think that's why it's made my list, because it had so much potential that it didn't deliver on. Um, so, yeah, anyway. As well, shouldn't this be on uh, your second chances then? Because I think you gave it a good review at the time. I don't remember giving it a good review. Yeah, we so were generally apologies. quite positive about it. I mean, that. I didn't give it a bad review, but um, now, yeah, the more I think about it, the sadder I am. <clears throat> I'll agree. I hadn't even considered it on any of my lists, uh, which is maybe telling that <laughs> <You forgot about laughs> it, it didn't leave much of an impact. What, but I do remember... constant voiceover on every scene. Like, the more I thought about the voiceover, oh, yeah. I was, like, cringing. There's a lot of problems with it, but, um, but it worked for me. I remember really enjoying it um, coming out of it I stick by that um, I think it's a well put together sort of thoughtful little space version little. Of, of Conrad yeah it's not little um, it's like a space retelling of Conrad's Heart of Darkness um, okay. and had some really interesting ideas and visuals so yeah I disagree with you okay. on that one and I've got oh you've got loads more than me got? so you go no again. no you go what's on your my other one was Glass Oh, I forgot about Glass. <laughs> exactly. I completely forgot um, about Glass. Glass also came earlier this year. This was the um, this was the Avengers Endgame of um, 
the Shyamalan cinematic universe <laughs> with Split and Unbreakable, which he just decided was a thing two years ago. Fair play to him. Do you know what? If I could eke a franchise out, I would. I just thought, right, first of all, Split was a good bit of fun. Had fun with that. James Mcavoy just chewing it up massively and he's a total hoot. He's brilliant. And we and actually hoot. and we and actually we watched Unbreakable for the first time this year. Yeah. Um, we committed to this trilogy this year. We had ne- I think you'd seen it years ago. I'd never seen Unbreakable. It was uh, on my um, shame list. Finally rectified that. And I love that movie. My yeah, God. Good movie. Um, Unbreakable is insanely good. Like, couldn't believe how much I liked it. Um, up, like, as good as, if not, or if not better than The Sixth Sense. It's um, s- kind of superhero story on a small character-driven scale. Um Bruce Willis is amazing um, it's just Shyamalan firing on all cylinders I loved it so then I did get kind of excited for this because Split was a bit of fun I thought the fact that they shoehorned in Bruce Willis at the end of Split was like okay um, it's just forward thinking you need to plot where your next paycheck is coming yeah. from I don't begrudge him so then this came along and I was actually quite uh, interested to see it um, but I thought it was just a total disaster I thought it was um, I can't remember it it was it was just like nonsense. Um, also, didn't have enough didn't have enough Samuel L. Jackson in it. Insufficient glass in but a he, movie he called was, Glass. Every scene with Samuel L. Jackson was really good, though. Yeah, no, like, there's some good, really there's good some good stuff movie. in here, but it just amounts to nothing. All we have to say is two things: tattoos on the wrist and empty restaurants. I mean, that and just for like, more, you go and listen to our review. Oh yeah, go listen to the <laughs> review because it apart. I it, it it was a movie I just was I just cannot believe that's what we got <laughs> um, it was just fucking it terrible was quite something anyway now so your two worst movies both starred Sarah Paulson uh, oh yeah <laughs> well starred come on Bird Box she has she's in it for a I minute know, yeah but she's actually an actress we love so that's yeah, funny she's great yeah. just goes to show sometimes you can't blame the actors uh, okay what else I'm gonna go no, really you can, sorry you can almost never blame the actors <laughs> the acts never it's almost never the actors they fault. do read the scripts first um, okay so last Christmas I've said enough about it in my review it's a truly terrible movie um, the most fun I had with last Christmas was when I came out and told Dave in explicit detail what the plot had been <laughs> and, and I, then he wished he'd seen it <laughs> it made me want to see it yeah. and actually we, we uh, a couple of listeners wrote in to say that your review made them want to see it as well so you're actually driving, uh, driving. the sales of this movie so Emma Thompson thank god you did late night this year or I could never <laughs> forgive you she actually wrote last Christmas. I just when you told me where, where that movie goes um, <laughs> I could not believe it. It, it was, I was actually stunned. It Everyone made me knows, laugh. though. Everyone knows the twist, even people who didn't see it, though I'm not telling it. Um, another one I absolutely despised this year was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, the Quentin Tarantino movie. Again, there's, like Joker, there's good elements to it. Of course, there's good actors. And, and again, if you like that movie, it's okay. Yeah. We, got, we got a lot of angry responses from people. You don't need to people. send me mean things about it, yeah. okay? But honestly, yeah, left me with a really bad taste in my mouth felt like it was a very toxic masculine movie and I felt like it, it does no good for the world to have movies like that put into it and finally I can't believe you didn't mention this one Dark Phoenix oh my god Another I forgot about that end to a franchise that was really bad that was awful that was like like it's funny that you were so negative about Star Wars because I'm sorry Dark Phoenix talk about killing a franchise I mean knocking it dead on the head like so funny I can't even remember it like one of the good things about having a movie podcast I really forgot that happened but that's why the good thing about having a movie podcast is 
at the end of the year you go what movies did I like you can just scroll back through your own feed and I was like oh we saw Dark Phoenix this year I'd forgotten about that I will say that the, at the time I do remember saying um, it was better than I thought it was going to be <laughs> as in it's totally fine like it's not the complete Getting proper mental health care can help you feel more like you. That's why Cerebral offers convenient access to online mental health services, including therapy and medication management. Cerebral's diverse clinician team can help with anxiety, insomnia, relationship issues, workplace stress, and more. You can schedule and communicate with your care team through Cerebral's mobile app and attend your sessions from the comfort of your own home. Get started with or without insurance. Plus, you can use your FSA or HSA. Start your first month for 50% off at Cerebral.com slash ACAST. Disaster everyone thought it was going to be. Like, it's just so bland and forgettable I literally did forget that it happened um, I can't believe that was this year but yeah what a what a, hard, what a sad way to end what was once a brilliant franchise um, actually James McAvoy not a good year luckily he topped it off finished it with his darker materials or his dark materials his dark materials his darker materials is the podcast which you can you listen did. to <laughs> that Dave uh, did on with his former guest Helen O'Hara and myself <laughs> soft plug there for that Oh, yeah, no, that's Spotify. a hard plug. That's okay. a hard plug. All right, let's move on. Um, uh, so yeah, is that, that was, it? Are you that done? Yeah. Well, what a what a bad year for bad movies, <laughs> yeah. or a good year for bad. A movies. A good year for bad movies. Um, uh, now we're going to take another break, and I think we need to record the rest of this indoors because I'm a bit wrecked now. Um, so now we're going to throw to Craig Parkinson, another guest we had this year, who's going to talk us through his best and worst of the year. Dave. Kathy, hello, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. It's Craig Parkinson here from the Two Shot Podcast. Um, you've asked me for my film of the year and also my worst film of the year. And I don't think I've stepped up to that question at all because I don't have one film of the year, I have two. It's been really hard to get to the pictures this year, but when I have, I've sourced out... Uh, films that I really, really wanted to see, whether uh, they would fulfil me or not. Luckily, the majority of them have. So, in no order at all, uh, my first film is Mark Jenkins's Cornish set film, Bait, which is all about family and friendship and relationship and visually and sonically it's like nothing I've ever seen before um more independent films need to be supported like this um and if you haven't seen bait then you're in for an absolute treat it's uh yeah it's unlike anything you've seen and I loved it loved it loved it so much my only snag was the fact that I had to pay so much in London for uh, a ticket to the pictures that it counteracted independent cinema and getting new and sort of younger people through the doors to be inspired and see films like this. That kind of upset me. And my other film of the year is Marriage Story. Now, I've been filming in Manchester a lot this year and I had a Sunday off and I went to see Marriage Story and The Irishman in the same day and I saw Marriage Story in the afternoon and I cried 
and laughed. It is, um, it's near perfect for me. And I thought the depiction of the breakdown of a marriage and also how there's, there's an amazing film, it's not a spoiler, there's an amazing, sorry, amazing scene where Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver have an argument and the depiction of how it escalates is so real and I'm sure everybody who's ever had an argument can relate to it. And I, I loved it so much. Um, and Adam Driver should win every award going for me. Now, worst film of the year. I don't know, I haven't seen anything that's been terrible. But I tell you one thing that I was disappointed at. So this is my disappointment film of the year. And I saw this at the start of the year. And it was Us by Jordan Peele. I had loved and have, and still love um, Get Out for so, so many reasons. So my expectations were so high. And apart from the soundtrack, the brilliant soundtrack, I have to say, um, yeah, I lost interest and I found it slightly self-indulgent. I know a lot of people will disagree with me there, but... Um, Look, apart from seeing Hobbs and Shaw three times with an eight-year-old boy, uh, yeah, us was... Look, there's a lot to like in Hobbs and Shaw, but there's a lot to hate. Anyway, look, I'm going to go. I'm waffling. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Hi, we're back, and we're going to give you our honourable mentions. These are the movies that didn't make our top five this year, but that we really struggled with. Uh, getting into a top five or that we just want to give a shout to. Yes. Basically, things we liked. Why am things I giving... that are honourable mentions. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> just what it says on the tune, what it is. I don't know why I'm... Uh, it, it's like I'm... It's like I've never done a movie podcast before. It really is. Okay. Um, or the, none of you have ever listened to a movie <laughs> podcast. All right. So my first honourable mention is Maradona, the documentary. Diego Maradona. Diego Maradona, the documentary uh, directed by Asif Kapadia, who, of course, we had on our podcast this year, which was very thrilling for us. Humble brag. Um, but it, that's not why I've picked this movie. It's not because he was on the podcast. It's because it's awesome. And uh, I truly shocked myself by how much I enjoyed this documentary. And I think it speaks to the quality of the film that you can be watching a documentary on something that you effectively have no interest in because I really don't have an interest in football and be completely compelled and riveted and like you know at one point I was like cheering like I enjoyed it so much um so yeah I think Diego Maradona was a fantastic documentary yeah I had it on my list as well so skipping ahead so uh, to add to to your praise um, this is well this is three for three now of his trilogy of documentaries Mm -hmm. um, which have all been fantastic and go I I encourage you if you haven't listened to our uh, live show with Asif Kapadia at this year's Latitude Festival uh, go scroll back it's about 20 episodes or so back Um, it was a really interesting chat and he speaks about how these how these movies are a trilogy and the sort of commonalities between uh, Amy Winehouse and uh, Anton Senna and Diego Maradona and they're all um, very talented people who are sort of 
victims of their own talent or success yeah. to, to varying degrees. It's fascinating. Like they're just fascinating human stories. Very yes. well put together. And that's exactly why you are able to connect with something when you do, and, and, and when you don't have an interest in football, which neither neither do I. But I think that's why you and I love sports movies, but we can't get into sports because sports movies are just and this is essentially a sports movie, as as well as being a gangster movie, as if Capedia discusses describes it as his Martin Scorsese one. Mm-hmm. Um But sports movies are just a condensed a very digestible narrative that you often do get in sports anyway but you have to spend a whole season building up to and you have to you know you have to put in a lot to get we don't put anything in we just take so we don't we don't we don't we never got past that barrier with sports you know you have to do the initial investment and be interested which we're just not no basically but anyway go watch Diego Maradona brilliant movie was probably like my sixth of the year um, another honourable mention for me. Oh, you're just gonna do two now, are you? Oh, it's my you just turn. did Maradona. You did Maradona, okay. and then I said that was on my list. Okay. So you just like the balls in my court. Okay, you go. God help us. We've probably got the um, same movies anyway. Yeah, pro- <laughs> probably. Well, here's one you de- What are you doing to me? You're like gesturing me. Do you want me to move I off the couch? Do you want me to just describe what you want <laughs> so me to do here? Trying, I was trying to not have it on the podcast. I mean, it's on the podcast now. This is so uncomfortable. What are you doing? Okay, you're putting your legs up. All right. Um, here's one that's not on your list because you haven't seen it. Okay. But I have. It's Doctor Sleep, the Shining sequel, the adaptation of the Stephen King's sequel to The Shining mm-hmm. that came out in book form a couple of years ago and has now been adapted by director Mike Flanagan who um, created the Netflix series Haunting of Hill House which you and I watched last year yeah which we love and was on both our top five TVs of the year and which was excellent so go watch that if you haven't Doctor Sleep is a re- was a real surprise to me I wasn't expecting to like this um, I was expecting another tr- uh, cash in Sequel, nostalgia, sequel, trading off our memories. And this is does do a little bit of that because it plays, he plays very much in Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, uh, which is interesting because Stephen King hates that movie, <laughs> uh, hates that Stanley Kubrick's adaptation of that. So this pull, but this pulls all the iconography of that. Um, so very familiar, all the music, so everything you love about The Shining. It made me want to go back and watch The Shining. And in fact, it came home that night and it was on, uh, coincidentally. So I watched quite a bit of it. Um, but it's a brilliant movie. Rebe- Rebecca Ferguson is uh, the villain and she is absolutely wonderful. There's a, there's a brilliant uh, child central performance from an actress who I can't remember. But Mike Flanagan is, a, is just such a superb horror director because he focuses on character first and horror second. And the horror comes from you being genuinely scared for these characters. So just like Haunting in Hill House. Just like it. It's like the man's a genius. And I recommend anyone who missed this in the movie at the cinemas because it bombed to check it out um, when it comes out in video because it's got also got a a brilliant performance from Ewan McGregor who shows up in a lot of things. Um, But he's given a lot of meat here to play with. He's the grown-up version of Danny Torrance, uh, Jack jock torrance's son uh the boy from the shining uh it's it's wild it's weird it's interesting uh please watch it if you haven't okay um and my honorable mention uh next one is one we haven't actually done a episode on but one that i caught on demand and it was what i've been dying to see in the cinema and just never made it had a limited release and it's called eighth grade 
Um, and it's basically just a movie about a young girl who's in the eighth grade in the States. So she's like 14, I think. Um, and it's like her last two weeks in middle school before she begins high school. And it's just brilliant. So it's made by a guy called Bo Burnham. I hadn't heard of him before, but he's like this huge YouTube He's a stand-up star. comedian. Yeah, YouTube comedian, like hugely successful guy. Um, so he's... I think he, when I was looking him up, I said he was born in 1990. So he's relatively young. And when he made this movie, he was younger still because it was made a couple of years ago. And what this movie does is it just follows this girl in two weeks, these two week period of her life. And it doesn't do any of the tropes of a teen movie. So she's not being bullied. She's not kind of been saddled with this label of being a geek or being a cheerleader or whatever. Um, she's just a girl who doesn't really have any friends and... She's spends, just a girl. Spends way too much time on social media. And and I think one of the fantastic things he managed to do, like he's a really great director, is he managed to show us someone who's on their phone a lot, which is awful to look at, right? It's not nice to look at someone on their phone and it's not interesting. He made that cinematic, which is some feat. Like there's this whole montage where she's just on a frenzy on Instagram on her phone. Absolute scrolling frenzy. And he's done it to sail away, sail away. Because she's like trying to escape her life. And it's amazing. Oh, like nice. it's so well done. And she, like her whole, her whole online life is so fake. And the saddest part is like she has a blog and stuff like that, a video blog. And like no one even watches it. It's like she's making all these videos and like not even one person watches them. Like it's, ex- it's an excruciating thing to watch. But she's so great. The young actress who plays her, like she won a couple of awards. I'm sorry, I can't remember her name. And it's just, I think if you're just really interested to see like kind of an example of of what it's like to be a teenager now, like none of them are even bothered bullying anyone because they're all too busy on their phones. (laughs) It's just like mad. There's like whole scenes where she's always got her headphones in just just on her phone. Her dad's trying to talk to her. Um, But it actually is is an optimistic movie. Um, So I really, that's one I really enjoyed. Okay, I have another one. I I haven't seen eighth grade, would love to. Um, But uh, there's one we both saw, which is on my list which is playing in a similar field, older high school kids, though. Booksmart. Excellent. That's on my list, too. Great. Um, so we saw this with Jareth Regan about 25, 30 episodes ago. Yes, from the Irishman Abroad podcast. Thanks, Jareth. He loved it. I think he loved it a little bit more than we both did, but we both really liked it. I, yeah, I, th- I really, really liked it. Yeah. Um, I would easily watch it again. It was a, such a fun, easy watch. Felt like a very refreshing and different high school movie yeah. move didn't play in any of the tropes uh, that exist no, they're not they're not being bullied they, they, we are essentially if you don't know our two characters are the studious types the academics who um not necessarily nerds because this film doesn't really trade in yeah, this, this movie like Booksmart isn't planting people into these jobs like grade, nerds geeks oh, sorry like 8th grade yeah so they're basically it's just it's a great movie Booksmart because it's about these two young women as they you know they're about to leave high school and embark on their lives and have that feeling that they suddenly shouldn't have spent all of high school studying they missed out a bit but it's amazing from Olivia Wilde as a directorial um, debut she's a fantastic director and it's one of these things that to see it is it's wonderful it's very much obviously directed by a woman I would say and it's very female-led and it's just a real anecdote to so much of the kind of gross out male teen comedies we've seen in the past yeah it, it is a bit gross out but from a female perspective it's not and it's not a whole lot gross out no. it's got I mean it's got some body elements but it's uh, yeah she 
She's she does some weird surrealist stuff in here as a director. It's also got an incredible soundtrack. It's fast paced and edited well. And the two um, sort of central performances from Beanie uh, Feldstein and I wrote down her name, Caitlin Denver. Yeah, they're brilliant. Um, they are so good together. Like you just buy them as friends and you like them as an audience. Um, and you're invested in them. Yeah, the movie doesn't really focus on uh, human conflict or challenges as much as um, sort of just a fun night that these two have. Yeah, but definitely recommend. Um, and now you've talked enough about it, but uh, Endgame does get to my honourable mentions okay. um, because while it w- like it's not the, it's not the movie for me to be one of my favourite movies of the year, it's certainly my favourite of of all these movies and it really surprised me how much I enjoyed by it and how much I was moved by it um, and I think it's a phenomenal feat if nothing else for someone for a studio for anyone to have put together a series that's what 22 movies long how many movies in the something series like that, yeah. that's something else to be able to achieve that so I think and, and have it coherent and engaging and moving um, yeah so I hats off to Endgame okay another one I had was uh, something we both watched but didn't uh, do an episode on uh, it was Three Identical Strangers oh the, I forgot about that one yeah that was uh, amazing really was amazing so I think it, I think though we watched it this year but I don't know if it came out this year oh did it oh perhaps so you not you may be breaking the rules here Dave but we'll allow it I didn't check that um, I think it came out early this year I might be wrong um, anyway we, I, I actually not going to say what this movie is about because I think if you go into this cold it's a real yeah like we didn't know it's it's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. Just, and they've so much footage. Just go watch it. Like one of you know, it, it's really hard for documentary makers when they don't have footage. Um, and boy, do they have footage for three identical strangers. It's epic. Yes, and what, what's good, what's really good about this movie is that it um, it isn't just a fascinating and compelling story, but that story, as you find out, we weren't aware of, but it has been told a lot since it happened, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in America where it did happen. However, this documentary sort of digs deeper into uh, a the reasons why this thing happened and b what it tells us about um human psychology and nature versus nurture Mm -hmm. and to me that's always been a very interesting topic yeah it's fascinating um and so so just like like uh, like the best movies uh makes you think and reflect upon uh life itself Mm -hmm. Um, so an honourable mention for me is one Dave didn't see but I did do a review with my sister Sarah this year we went to see Hustlers which was brilliant I absolutely loved Hustlers it's the movie that was starred um, J-Lo and she was brilliant in it and it's about these female strippers who hustle these men and you know there's some dubious unethical things going on um, but just the movie was a joy to watch it was just wonderfully put together and I was so obsessed with J-Lo. I, I mean, I have always kind of liked J-Lo, don't know much about her. After this movie, I just went mad, like watching videos of her learning how to pole dance and stuff. Because <laughs> she's, she's physically unbelievable. Like she's so, she's such a good dancer. And the pole dancing she does in this movie is something else. So you, you could actually watch her training for it. And it's like quite fascinating. Um, but she's just such a good actress. And I think it's her best performance I've seen since Out of Sight. Um, and it's just fascinating to me that someone can just 
have so many different facets to their talent and uh, it's just it's a really funny movie as well like I laughed a lot during this movie so I really recommend Hustlers if you haven't caught it I want to catch it and I haven't um, is it because J-Lo's pole dancing or because it's really funny <coughs> uh, both <laughs> um, right my next one is one we both saw with the two lads from the Science-ish podcast mm-hmm. we did this about uh I, I don't know. You keep trying to remember when we did this. I can't was, remember any of our episodes. It was sometime number. this year. Scroll back and you'll see the movie High Life, uh, which was um, Claire Denis, French um, filmmaker's latest movie, um, starring Robert... Uh, what's his name? Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Um, and Juliette Benoche. And it's the story of a near future in which uh, convicts on death row are being sent off in spaceships for experimental reasons. In this case, they're being experimented on uh, fertility. They're, they're, they're curious about whether um, people can have babies in space. And that's kind of nominally the plot of this. It's a really sort of, it's an art house movie, very much so. It's weird and um, interesting and is really low budget, but leans into its low budget, which I really loved. Um, it's almost like the sets are cheap. There's no like sci-fi rules. Like um, they they step out. <laughs> At one point, somebody steps out into the into space, and they just kind of. Um, it's clearly just like a, a black backdrop someone painted with some spring, sprinkly lights, and they it's just a step truly into bizarre it. movie. <laughs> but it's, it's one of my. I would say it's on one of my lists, and it ain't on this one. <laughs> oh, okay, interesting. Well, I it really left an impression on me. It's really interesting. It has a lot to say about. About um, space jizz. About space jizz. It's very <laughs> sexual, this movie. Um, very uncomfortable movie to watch with uh, two people who you've just met for the first time. <laughs> yeah, I was so glad I was sitting next to Dave <laughs> yeah. and not one of the lads from Science <laughs> But actually, we had a really fun chat at the end of it. Um, but it's it was really good and really um, interesting. And m- again, makes you uh, think about the nature of good and evil and, and also how we treat prisoners and how our penal system can be um dehumanizing and th- and this is, there are certainly elements of this movie which are very dehumanizing Dave, you also, had a, you've had a very different thoughts on this movie than me yeah we'll go back and listen yeah. to kathy's thought <laughs> no but i mean also, that, like I, all what? the things you're saying it made you think about it. i'm like <laughs> such a ludicrous. you just thought about space juice i just thought it was such a ludicrous movie so i'm glad you got something out of it it's not uh, uh, fine okay let's, let's not get into it but um i thought it was really interesting and robert pattinson is just and just gets better and better in my eyes as an actor can, i can't think cannot wait to see him as as bruce wayne i think that's a great bit of casting i don't i think he's going to be awful so let's see okay moving on honourable mentions honourable mentions is one we actually just watched last night so it does have a recency bias and so I know Dave's already referenced this but Klaus is in my honourable mentions um, the animation on Netflix because I absolutely loved it I thought it was truly wonderful I think it's going to become a classic Um, I love that it was 2D animation and I cried loads at the end and I've already messaged my sister that her kids should watch it which is a very high praise of a kids movie Okay, well, I good. Uh, you've already heard what I think. Um, there, I've got one that was on your top five. Mm-hmm. Um, Marriage Story. This is on my honourable mentions, and this is honestly, this was like number six. This at one stage was in my top five, and I just couldn't. Decide. Then you watched Klaus. Um, yeah, actually, I think Klaus did edge <laughs> this out. Um, 
It's a terrific story. I, I'm not really going to go into it because uh, I've already kind of talked about it, uh, but I ab- absolutely loved it. Um, I'm sure everyone in the world has seen it at this stage. <laughs> well, it's on Netflix, so we know everyone watches it. Um, and then I've only got one other honourable mention, and it's not a new movie, but we did an episode on it this year for our 150th episode. Dave and I did... Um, we were like trying to do something special for the 150th and we thought it would be fun if I made Dave watch a movie I've always wanted him to see. So I made Dave watch Beaches and he made me watch Indiana Jones, which he'd always wanted me and to see. And The Last see. Crusade. And The Last Crusade. And I have to say, Beaches lives up to my expectations and memories. Oh, great. That's the one you're going to talk about. So I think Beaches oh. deserves an honorable mention for being one of my best movies of the year. What? You didn't? That's not a movie that was released this year. It was a podcast episode that was released this, this year. This is bullshit. <laughs> this isn't your favorite podcast episode so that we did this year. Our 150th special, we watched Beaches. And let's just say I wasn't the only one crying. Yeah, but it's hard not to cry at the end of Beaches. Come on. <laughs> Unless you're some sort of monster. I know, and I cry so easily in movies. It was, it was, a, it was an open goal for this movie. <laughs> but that's it. I'm done with my honourable mentions. Dave, have you any left? Yeah, I'll rattle off a few. Um, Us, the Jordan Peele movie, um, which we both saw, mm-hmm. um, which I'm surprised is not on your honourable mentions. Cause... Well, you might be on another list. Oh, hello. <laughs> um, uh, I... Uh, we we saw this earlier in the year so this is about 40 episodes back so I'm trying to guess episodes <laughs> I should have written down which ones it was you really shouldn't have um, and I think we were slightly disappointed coming out of it and I think in retrospect what happened is um, I got very bogged down in the um, the sort of logistical details of how us works and what's presented in it and it doesn't really, still doesn't make sense to me or doesn't hold up in that regard. Tethered! <laughs> so, you freaked me out just. <laughs> um, but it, this movie's really stuck with me. And when I was going back over all the movies we saw this year, that just was like a beacon. Um, as in, I, I really appreciate that. Well, I love what Jordan, P- who, what Jordan Peele does and how he makes movies, but I love that he, like Get Out, is trying to say something about America and class divide and is constructing thoughtful horror movies with interesting weird premises that we haven't seen before Mm -hmm. um that that you can just then pick apart for 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 weeks and i'm still trying to think about it and it's so this should have been on your second chance list then um it is on my second chance list. Spoiler alert. Oh, okay. Can we not have things on double, double we, lists? Well, apparently we can. <laughs> well, okay. So let's, let's I'll just skip ahead to my second chance. It actually is on my second chance list because uh, I feel like I didn't give it a, I think we gave it a pretty positive review, but we weren't, we were a little bit disappointed coming out. Well, it's a controversial it, one because in our um, submissions this year from various contributors, we've had one telling us us was their worst movie of the year and one telling us it was their best movie of the yeah, year. Yeah, and I can I can see why. So I, I've moved, basically, I've managed to move past the sort of um, literal trappings of the movie, which are a little troublesome. And uh, it's, looking back, I think it, it it is one of the better slash best films of the year and I just cannot wait for more from Jordan Peele and, and it Monkey has like Ball. the visuals of this movie are very striking like they do haunt you afterwards yeah, he's, yeah. And, and just the voice that you just did and now <laughs> we laughed at the time when it happened and it's, it is a little silly but it's it's a it's a bold decision and it's weird and interesting and Lupita Nyong'o is scary AF in that thing yeah she's amazing in this yeah. Um, so it's and it's something I kind of, I want to watch again. I have a desire one, to watch it again. One of our um, listeners and avid tweeters, Daniel Bennyworth Gray, um, 
message us that him and his wife watched it for the second time but they'd heard our review and then they said we'd ruined that for them <laughs> yeah no you had <laughs> your, your untethered voice um all right i've got two left which i'll rattle through john wick uh chapter three is on my honorable mentions it's plot wise uh easily the weakest of the john wick movies it's all over the place it uh also doesn't um stick to, doesn't have any conviction with the setup that it has at the end of John Wick Chapter 2, which is disappointing, pretty much undoes that Rise of Skywalker style very quickly. Um, But these are just some of the best action movies that I've ever seen. The choreography in these movies is incredible. I want you to watch it so much because I just want to share this kind of thing. Um, I caught some of it again recently on Sky Cinema uh, and I just skipped, I just skipped right to the scenes. In particular, there's a knife fight, which is one of, it's prob- probably the best so you're action saying scene I've seen in cinema this year. So you the action scenes in this movie, but action scenes are my least favourite scenes in movies. So this doesn't sound like the movie for me. Yeah, this, this is true. <laughs> but I'd love to you just at least watch this knife fight and be like, how did they do that? It's incredible. And Keanu Reeves... Just play it and I'll say, how did they do that? That's incredible. Oh, you're so annoying. <laughs> um, also, this is the year of Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves is, is incredible. He had... Uh, John Wick Chapter 3 uh, he had that cameo in an incredible cameo in that Netflix um, rom-com um, oh yeah that was awesome uh, what else did he do he, di- he did some amazing things oh he showed up he basically stole the E3 games show by showing up on stage randomly for the Cyberpunk 2077 game which he's now in and is like the cover star of um, he- he's he's it's just such an awesome dude and he's loving life and I love Keanu <laughs> And have we got any more honorable mentions? Uh, last one is How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Um, again, like John Wick Chapter 3, this is plot-wise probably the weakest of the How to Train Your Dragon movies. Um, but in terms of visuals, like most animation, it's, improve- it's improved so much now. that. And I saw this in 3D and it was just gorgeous. Stunning, uh, in fact. And the emotional way that they close out this entire trilogy and they close it out very satisfactorily just devast- absolutely devastated me. I was in uh, pools of tears and I love this. I love the series and I love the music and I love the characters and I love the relationship between um, Toothless and the character who I can't remember is the main character. The lead character. Yeah. Wow. Well done. <laughs> What's his you, name? It's really your favorite trilogy of all <laughs> anyway, time. Uh, love it. Okay. Okay. Great. And now we're on to second chances, which is movies where we were either too positive or too negative at the time, and on in retrospect, we've slightly changed our minds a bit. Yeah. Um. So I've only got two. <laughs> Again, another another lengthy description of something that can be summed yeah. up in two well, words. It's both positive and negative. <laughs> and last year, my second chance was I I admitted that I had given a poorer review to Greatest Showman because I had said the songs weren't good, and then it proceeded to sing them for the next ten months. Uh, so yeah the songs were really good and then the movie itself went on to be one of the biggest phenomenons in the world but it was definitely one that like on first viewing I didn't think much of and I've watched it again and loved it Um, I still want to see that it's great still haven't Um, second chance of you minor negative this year Um, firstly The Lion King I think I was a little bit too positive after I'd watched it and there, I was positive for a reason. The songs are wonderful. It looks beautiful. Of course, it's a lovely story. But it left me feeling really cold the next day and subsequent days when I when I was thinking about it and people were asking me if I would recommend it. And I thought, you know what? It's the whole endeavor is so soulless that even though the movie, of course, was really well done, 
because it was John Favreau, wasn't it? Like, yeah. it's a great movie, but it leaves me cold and it leaves me slightly uncomfortable that they're doing. I really disagree with Disney's strategy now of just remaking stuff. And it's not even live action. So it's like, do you know what? It's one thing to make to turn Cinderella into a live action film. It's another thing somewhere in the middle to have Jungle Book with a real life boy but this is just CGI and it's just completely unnecessary and after we'd watched it we literally came home that night and started watching the original Lion King and that was so wonderful like within half an hour of seeing the the new one I just thought oh god no I wish I wish we'd watched the original first before the review because I think we would have been more critical about it I agree it's it's less than the yeah. original so kind of like what's the point yeah um I have well I've already talked about Us that was on my list and I would like to give that a retroactively more positive viewpoint Um, we'll take the positivity from The Lion King and throw it into Us (laughs) sure (laughs) Um, one that I was quite favourable about at the time but now has looking back I think was pretty weak is Captain Marvel um, and I, oh, I thought about that. I didn't actually put that on my list, but it was one of my considerations. Yeah, I... I think we were more favourable because we were excited that it was Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, and look, and, and, and I'm not saying... This isn't me saying that's a that's now, a, I think, is a bad movie in retrospect. I don't think it's a bad movie, but I think it has left me, as you said, cold. I don't... I haven't thought about that. I had, had forgotten that movie existed to, to, until I was doing this and looked back well, over I watched, movies I we've done this I actually year. watched a bit of it recently. I watched the first half hour because it was on and I watched it and I was like, oh yeah, actually. I, I, even as I was watching it, I was, like, it was a bit underwhelmed. It's underwhelming. Yeah. It's very average. Yeah. Um, and it did, I mean, it took Marvel too long to get a female lead. For me, they've kind of blown that. Like with Black, what's coming out next year? Black, Black Widow. Widow, yeah. Like, I, I I think she always should have had her own movie, but 23 movies into seeing her, do I need to see one? Probably not. Yeah. And and I think one of the reasons Captain Marvel would have been on, was actually I should have just put it on the list. I had it on and I deleted off it, so I'm glad you have it. And no spoilers for Avengers Endgame, but there was no payoff from Captain yeah. Marvel. And I was expect I, I thought that Captain Marvel was a build-up of an amazing character and turned out it was just a flash in the pan. Yeah, I, I was a, about to say the exact same thing. I think for a studio, we've, we, we're not going to talk any more about Endgame because we've done that to death. But for, a, you know, we praised them as a studio for getting to that point mm-hmm. and having this very clear, coherent vision. But from the way that Infinity War ended with that stinger... Mm-hmm. teasing Captain Marvel and then the, the all the anticipation of the Captain Marvel movie leading up to Infinity War or sorry up to Endgame and then how she plays a part in Endgame was a very disappointing very weak it, and it actually makes the film itself feel inferior uh, in retrospect particularly from a quality point yeah, of view yeah what's the point so, so like what's the point so Really, I think it was, in looking back, a failure. Yeah, they should have done it after Endgame, firstly. <clears throat> or yeah. they should have done it 15 movies ago. They it was bi- in the wrong place. They built her up too much and then didn't have the payoff. But yeah. I think partly there's production complications there because apparently they filmed her scenes in Endgame before they'd filmed the movie Captain Marvel. <laughs> I mean, so that's just terrible. It's backwards. Yeah. Um, and now we are on to... No, I've got one more. Oh. Um, Joker, I think we gave I gave a kind of a confu- I had a confused reaction coming out of Joker mm-hmm. um, but was it mostly uh, quite positive and I still do think it's a very well put together movie that Todd Phillips did uh, it's very accomplished and uh, obviously Joaquin Phoenix is uh, does an incredible performance in that 
but it's something that made me yeah i felt a little bit iffy ill coming out of well, it well this is why it was on my you. bad list it's not on my second yeah. chance review and i don't i this is me saying i don't think it's bad but i would like to downgrade my sort of the the sort of i think i was generally positive about it and in the weeks after it um it didn't sit well with me and I, and I don't and I just like it's a nasty little yeah. movie and people who well it's not a little movie it's a very big sorry yes movie. it's the biggest R-rated movie uh, of all time now yeah like people are asking me you know after the fact would you recommend it and I, I had to say frankly no I don't recommend it yeah. I couldn't recommend it to people because of how bad you feel leaving it Um. okay so are we done now with second chances we're on to most surprising yes what do you got so most so we've talked about it loads so I'm barely going to mention it but but High Life truly shocked me <laughs> it's the most shocking movie of the year for me it was just so not anything I've ever fathomed watching and it was truly bizarre so I recommend you know if you haven't seen High Life watch it because it's just it's quite something um, it's a very odd movie and yeah what about you what surprising ones um, one Big, a pleasant surprise I had this year was seeing Toy Story 4. Oh, yeah, um, I didn't see that because I'm a bit, I was felt like I was a bit done with Toy Story. Uh, yes, I went with uh, Sam Clements, uh, who you'll hear on this podcast um, from the uh, 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I was done with Toy Story as well. I think we were all done. I think yeah. everyone going into this was like, what are you doing, guys? Yeah, uh, you, stop had, making you had a them. perfect trilogy that had a lovely ending. Right, that's unlike Disney to remake, uh, start a new trilogy when know, they've right? ended one well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what? They they absolutely killed it on this. It's a really good movie. It was fun. Oh, that's another thing Keanu Reeves was in. This. He's had an amazing year. Um, <laughs> just in everything now. And he was Juke Kaboom. Like, really fun character. Loads of fun new characters. Really sinister villains. Great plot. Another great ending. And this is very much an ending on an ending. Um, but they pay off Woody. This is very much Woody's movie. Um it's just good storytelling and really fun really funny like I laughed out loud several times and just had an absolute blast so really surprised me okay awesome um, and then I had as another surprising one Rise of Skywalker because it really surprised me how much I enjoyed it I was genuinely not expecting anything from it I wasn't expecting to hate it or love it I was expecting to just sit there kindly um while you watched it and I would just eat loads of food and ended up being really engaged by it I won't go into it because we had a massive discussion on it Um, so yeah Rise of Skywalker is on my most surprising I'll tell you right now Rise of Skywalker does not appear on any of my lists (gasps) Shade Um, because it neither surprised me not on most disappointing no well it didn't disappoint me it did exactly what I thought it was going to do it didn't disappoint you. You cried for two hours. And I did not cry. <laughs> um, I didn't cry at all. That was part of the problem. Um, d- d- didn't di- no, it didn't disappoint me. You can't be disappointed when you're you have no hopes or expectations. <laughs> That's not how it works. I was so let down by the, the last Jedi disappointed me massively. Oh, did it? That was all the disappointment was saved for I'm, them. I'm like waving a day for it. Do not talk about the last Jedi. Fine. Yeah, you've, yeah, you've yeah. said your. We, we've spoken enough about this, uh, and we've had some really fun and interesting conversations. Oh my with God, people. We've never had so many emails yeah. than we had about Rise of Skywalker, guys. So thank you, everyone. And I've really enjoyed the chit chat. And oh God, particularly those of you who have 
blatantly disagreed with me and agreed with Cathy. I think I've had the most fun talking to you guys. Um, well, uh, and that's what movies are about, it's about the discourse. But most people agreed that. with Dave, though, has to be said. But Tim Gowan sent an email that had the subject matter, The Rise of Cathy. And that's the <laughs> best email I've ever received. So thank yeah. you, Tim. This is really Cathy's origin story <laughs> as a Star Wars fan, because you're a Star Wars fan now. I mean, I'm not. But, and your favourite one I, is also, Rise of Skywalker. I've already forgotten it, and we only watched <laughs> course, it a few days ago. Of course ago. you've already forgotten it, because it's empty calories. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> excuse me. Okay, and uh, I had one more that really surprised me this year. Yeah. And it was Shazam. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, I know it's a little bit forgettable, but it was fun. I think they're fun. making another one, of course. Oh, of course. Um, but this is coming from, the. it's in the DC universe that gave us pretty much a load of shite, <laughs> except Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman. Uh, which was wonderful. Uh, but Shazam was fun. Shazam was just like a lovely little sidestep into a silly version of Big with superheroes. <laughs> it really um, was. And uh, I had a lot of fun with it and uh, would, would watch more of, I think. Okay, well, good, because I think there's one coming. Um, and I just had one more most surprising, which was Terminator Dark Fate. Uh, I thought it was going to be dreadful and actually I think it was really decent and I feel... It's a shame that it suffered at the box office, but it's their own fault because they released so many bad ones in the meantime. So if they had just released this as the third Terminator film, I think it would have done really well for them. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed watching Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger on the Graham Norton show afterwards because they're like best mates. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, I love everything they did with Arnold in this. And I yeah, really enjoyed the so, setting. So what you're saying is they should have released this movie 15 years ago. No, they should Easy. have not done any of the movies. Imagine if they just done Terminator 2, then come back with this. Yeah. Like, everyone would have been obsessed with it because it is a good, like, you, it's not a perfect movie, but it's good. It's far but from it, a but perfect it movie. should not have done as badly in the box. Like, it's the worst performing Terminator, but it's by no means the worst Terminator. Oh, no, not yeah. at all. This so, yeah, that was is the third best one. <laughs> okay, um, right, that's all our surprises. Uh, what about disappointments? Disappointment. My first one is actually possibly the first movie we watched this year uh, Bird Box. Oh yeah It looked awesome Which was on my worst of the yeah. year Yeah um, It looked awesome We were really excited for it And then it just Yeah Came and went um, And didn't live up to any sort of promise Yeah Well I've said my piece on Bird Box um, I, One of my I think possibly my biggest disappointment of the year Easily Is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood um, Big fan of Tarantino's films Historically um, and this to me was a really missed opportunity a big letdown a film which I wasn't ex- I was expecting to really like um, but, but I wasn't expecting to really dislike like I really really didn't like this movie well that's why it's on my bad list not most disappointing because I went in feeling a little bit unsure of it in the first place right yeah um Anyway, it, go listen to our very divisive review about that. <laughs> we're, we're yeah. divisive thanks in that. to everyone who trolled us after that review. It was our first true experience of trolling and yeah. it was quite something. Yeah, Tarantino fans can be nasty. Yeah, but. Um, and then my most disappointing was after Bird Box was Us. And I agree with everything you said. This is loads and loads of positive things about Us. So this is not me saying Us is a bad film. I just, in my heart, was disappointed because I loved Get Out so much. And I and I know that that's actually, you know, it's like that second album album syndrome. It, it's when your hopes are too high for something, you can kind of set yourself up to be disappointed. And um, I love Jordan Peele. I'll watch anything he makes, but I was a little bit gutted by this one. 
although hats off for him on his second album to not do the first album again oh no like right. and like i admire everything about it i love the premise i loved like visually how it was i love the cast it just all fell apart a little bit for me and i was a bit gutted by it yeah um i've got one more on my disappointment list and it's spider-man far from home oh you um, were really sad about that i one. was i yeah. was um quite disappointed i forgot about that movie and that's on my movies i forgot i saw this year list <laughs> <laughs> again it's not a, it's really not a bad movie it's a, it's actually it, it's a very good solid movie and did some really interesting surprising things at the end in particular and then everything that followed in the aftermath of this movie with Spider-Man leaving Sony and then or le- sorry leaving the MCU then coming back all that was just f- almost more fascinating than what it's happened in bizarre. the movie um, but it just felt like a little bit of a a bum note to come after after the high of Endgame to come back to the MCU yeah. with this um, and also that's why they should have come back with Captain Marvel yeah that kind of would have made more sense in a way I guess um, it's just I'm, I mean Spider-Man's my favourite uh, Marvel you love him too much and too character. deeply um, and I really love Tom Holland's Spider-Man and I loved Homecoming um, but I felt like besides the fun Jake Gyllenhaal performances Mysterio and there's there's a lot of fun to be had in this movie it just felt too slight um, and it a lot of it didn't work for me uh, but anyway I'll, we've we've kind of gone into we did a big review on we've it we've done a big review on that but it's an interesting one that it's for you to bring up because as I said I had forgotten about it and I wasn't particularly a fan of it when I saw it but I know lots of people loved it and we did get lots of listener feedback of people telling us they really loved it which I was happy about because you know pe- we want people to love movies yes and I'm also open to I will watch that again at some stage and, and we'll go in with an open mind and uh, open to yeah just lower your expectations yeah I think my, possibly my expectations are, were too high yeah. going in and finally guilty pleasures alright I've only got one how many you got I've got one too I wonder if it's the same one alright on three three two one Angel murder mystery fallen. Oh god oh. <laughs> Angel has fallen That uh. was such a guilty pleasure We had so much fun At that movie Come on te- No you and Nick uh, Who we saw it with About 15 episodes ago um, <laughs> Hi Nick Hi Nick uh, You guys had fun I just- That's, I'm calling it a guilty pleasure Like I'm not saying It's the best movie I saw this year No 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 Sorry I'm not just Give te- me Jared Butler I'm not telling in you action. You're wrong For no. your opinion in the movie I'm just saying You guys had fun I didn't really I found it Plodding and predictable, and yeah, that's kind the of, part of the guilty pleasure. Like, give me Jared Butler and give me an action movie, and I'm sold. And apparently, but, but, no, making, no, sorry, I'm sorry, it wasn't even like gu- pleasurable in a guilty way. I didn't find it pleasurable at all. I found it really boring. Well, you're in the minority because apparently they've commissioned loads more of them. Yeah, it's insanely successful. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so find me and Nick will go without you next time. You're just jealous we went to Geostorm without you years ago and you've never That's the one I want I reckon that's a guilty pleasure I'd rather have watched that Uh, Anyway my one is Murder Mystery um, which was something I didn't really want to watch we thought we'd just throw it on because it was on Netflix and Adam Sandler doesn't have a good track record when it comes to Netflix movies (laughs) and Jennifer Aniston's not really a sign of quality either Um, You are throwing serious shade She's not She's she's not uh, she, good actress, but not like doesn't make interesting or probably because there's no good jokes. roles for women over the age of forty in Hollywood. I'm not saying it's her fault, but I'm saying that her track record of movies doesn't inspire. She's not like oh oh it's a, the new Jennifer Aniston movie is out. Oh this will be a fucking runaway hit. 
Well, um, millions of women in the world would disagree with you. Oh, fine. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, look, I, I'm trying to be positive here. Okay. Murder mystery was really fun. It was I mean, really fun. By no means was, is it good. There's a hundred better comedies that I've seen this year alone. It was, we um, had loads of fun with it. But it was fun. Yeah. It was just such an easy, dis- like, distraction. Um, the problem for me after, you know, when we've talked enough about Knives Out in our top five, but... The problem for me is I loved Murder Mystery in the year, right? Because I love Murder Mysteries. But then I see Knives Out at the end of the year and it's like, yeah. yeah. Oh no, these are leagues <laughs> apart. Yeah, <laughs> no, isn't. That being said, Murder <laughs> Mystery did all the tropes very well. Honestly, it, they did. It was done really well. Yeah. Um, and that's it. That's it for me. Okay. Right. So now you're going to hear some more of uh, the, the best and worst movies of some of our favorite guests that we've had on the podcast this year. Hey everyone, Linda here, Kathy's mom. Uh, yeah, a year where I didn't see very many movies. So what I will say, I loved the musical biopics. I did love Freddie Mercury. I did love Elton John. I just loved them for nostalgia, for emotion, for entertainment. Uh, another movie I really liked was Hustlers. I know I don't like the theme of abuse, but the performances were amazing. The production was amazing and they did pack a punch. And lastly, what I didn't like was The Lion King. I'm sorry I saw it. It kind of ruined something for me. I would have left the animation as it was, simple and original. So if there was talent, um, I think it was wasted. And I think they should have created something new and not messed with The Lion King. Anyway, Happy New Year. Bye. Sam from the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest here. My favourite film of 2019 has to be Shinichiro Ueda's One Cut of the Dead. Sadly, 96 minutes long, too long for our podcast, but I'm glad to be able to talk about it on here. It's basically a zombie film unlike any zombie film you've ever seen before. And for my worsties of 2019, I've got two contenders. The Hellboy reboot. Just like... So, so bad. Didn't help that I saw this with a bit of a hangover, uh, either, but a terrible film, Avoid, Avoid, Avoid. And then yesterday, Richard Curtis, Danny Boyle, the Beatles' back catalogue, an incredible cast, all wasted. God knows what's going on in this film. It's such a hokey concept. And really, Ed Sheeran should not be acting on screen. Uh, Not one for me, Avoid. Hey, Kathy and Dave, this is Kobe from Flixwatcher Podcast, also known as a podcast where we review films on Netflix as chosen by people such as yourselves. Uh, okay, favourite film this year. I'm going to go for, I'm going to stay on brand and pick a film that's only available on Netflix, and that is called Knock Down the House. And this talks, this is a documentary about the grassroots movement, uh, fronted by people such as Alexandra uh, Ocasio-Cortez, I think that's how you say her name, otherwise known as AOC, at AOC on Twitter. Um, and it follows the grassroots movements of uh, female uh, wannabe politicians in the in the US as they take down the incumbent Democratic Party who are kind of made up of old, fusty-foisty, straight white men who are uh, little better than Republicans, to be honest with you. Um, my worst film of this year, I think, is actually going to be a film that I really did enjoy in the cinema, and that's going to be last Christmas and I knew going into it that was going to be rubbish it was rubbish but I enjoyed it right we're back and we're going to tell you now about some of the things 
that we didn't get to see. You're gonna <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you want to hear uh, about a married couple talk about movies they haven't seen. Yeah, this is well, the these section are just for you. Things that we should have seen this year that we didn't, so we're sorry because we've not been able to talk about them. And then things that we're most excited yeah. for 2020. And it's also hard. We know you guys. You guys tweet us all the time. Uh, particularly uh, one listener, Wayne Outram loves. So hello, Wayne. Uh, loves to tweet us and tell us about the cinema trips he goes to every week and all it just all it does Wayne is just make us jealous because <laughs> you get to go see so much more so many more movies than but we then do then people it's all relative because people say to me I can't believe that you do a weekly movie podcast like yeah, how do you see that many movies we do go to at least a movie a we week. never go as like when we were young and footloose and fancy free we were going to the cinema like four times a week yeah. we ain't doing that now um, we used to be footloose and fancy free we used to apparently. okay so I'll just rattle mine off and then you rattle yours off right yeah, in terms on. of ones we missed so for Sama no excuse the documentary in Syria <laughs> yeah it's right there on our TV it's on our planner because it, Channel 4 showed it and we recorded it but Although, it's, well somebody told me we shouldn't watch that um, while you're pregnant well that's why I haven't watched it yeah. um, so it, it sounds incredible. It's this couple and they, they shot it in Syria and she's pregnant and they had a child there. And I am desperate to see it, but I just, you know, there's certain things I won't watch when I'm pregnant. That's one of them. Um, if Beale Street could talk, I really wanted to see it. Oh yeah, I missed that one. Um, sorry, we missed you. The Ken Loach movie came and went uh, too quickly for us and wasn't in any of our local cinemas. So I actually tried to buy it um, to watch it before this episode because I know it would have been in my top five, but... Um, it's not even for sale yet, so I couldn't. Um, and Cats, which we still haven't seen because yes. I went to Star Wars. I can't wait to go to Cats. Uh, so I cannot wait to see Cats, but haven't seen it. Hasn't made this list. Dave. I'm what, pretty what sure you... that would have made one of, the, one of <laughs> these lists. It would have made something. <laughs> and then what, um, what are your ones? I'll rattle off a load. The Irishman, we still haven't managed to sit down and, and tackle. And at this um, point, I don't think I'll ever be the one to watch it with you. No, come on. Mm. Come on. I'm pretty sure everyone wants to hear your opinion of the Irishman. I don't think so. Um, Parasite is on everyone's top 10 of the year but uh, I don't think it's even out in the cinemas no here so yet, people who, who've seen it in the States have it as yeah. their top list um, so th- looking forward to that one in 2020 um, Uncut Gems the Adam Sandler one is supposed to be amazing really? uh, Atlantics is supposed to be, yeah why are you questioning I'm joking oh Adam Sandler makes some amazing movies I know he does he's yeah. just so wildly varied between good and he's either in a brilliant movie or a terrible movie yeah this is true a bit like Jennifer Anderson um, Atlantics is supposed to be good Won't You Be My Neighbour the documentary uh, about Mr. Rogers the uh, kids TV uh, host yeah um, we, no, and we never had Mr. Rogers growing up but um, this looks like just a beautiful story and they've made a um a um, movie with Tom Hanks yeah Tom Hanks version of this as well um, which I'm less interested in I'd rather see the documentary same um, The Favourite I didn't get to see uh, still haven't seen it's supposed to be amazing um, oh I forgot about The Favourite would that have made any of your list now in retrospect no I really enjoyed it yeah. um, it's probably just middle of my movies for the year so it doesn't make lists really. okay uh, Little Women I really want to see The Lighthouse uh, which I think it hasn't come out here in the UK oh, that yet awesome yeah um, but looks amazing Robert Pattinson uh, Pats for the win uh, for Sama when did you get such a crush on Arpats I just love Arpats is it um, from The Twilight Days I never actually saw any of those movies. Well, maybe that's why I think he's such a bad actor and you think he's such a good actor. So you need to go and watch a Twilight and come back to me, okay? Uh, okay. Maybe we'll do that over on the Patreon. <laughs> if we get... if we get, All right, here we go. If we get uh, 500 um, patrons over on Patreon, that'll be the new stretch goal. I'll, I'll watch all the Twilight movies. I don't. No, because I won't watch them with you. <laughs> Fine, I'll watch them. I'll do a Twilight movie marathon. That's a, that's a promise. That's the Dave... Guarantee. <laughs> um, the Souvenir. 
uh, is supposed to be incredible. It did come out here, but we didn't get to see it. And The Lighthouse, I've written it twice. You, wow, so, you really so, want to see it. I want it. to see it so much, I've written it twice. And, and that, that's it for me. And then things coming up in 2020 that we want to watch. Um, the one I'm most excited for is a thriller called Promising Young Women. Um, oh, that's the, uh, what's her name thing? Yeah, it looks great. Wow, Dave, that's really helpful. Um, <laughs> it's actually been made by the Killing Eve season two showrunner who's called Emirate Fennell and it stars Carrie Mulligan. Emirate Fennell? Emerald Fennel Emerald Fennel Yeah Wow So it sounds awesome And it's a thriller Which I absolutely love Like I love female led thrillers It's probably my One of my more niche genres That I love um, Kerry Mulligan's then, great as well. Kerry Mulligan's great It's one of, And then it's an interesting thing Looking at what's coming out In 2020 Because Obviously when you When you look these things up You, you see the big ones But god It's a repetitive year of movies mm. It really is I um, wanted to talk about this I wrote down Three, uh, these aren't the ones I'm looking forward to, but these are just three indications of this continuing trend of mining our childhood, in particular the 80s. Ghostbusters sequel, Top Gun sequel. Top Gun's on my list. I cannot wait for Top Gun. Yeah, but I don't like Top Gun anyway. Bill and Ted face the music. Like, it's just like all these movies from the 80s coming back. And how many of them have been satisfying? Can you name me? There's very few. There's very few. In fact, the only thing from the 80s which has come back and um, moved the story on while also being reflecting the themes of its original text and being a sequel and being something new and being awesome Whoa. is the Watchmen TV series yeah. by Damon Lindelof. Which we talk, we'll talk about a lot over in our yeah. um, TV Which is a just... That's how you do um, a a sequel to a long dormant property yeah Star Wars but coming up in 2020 the other movies I'm excited about I'm most excited about Promising Young Women but Wonder Woman 1984 yes. I know we're mining things here but I think it's going to be awesome because I love the last Wonder Woman that's, Top- not, that's, an, that's not mining an old thing I know but th- that's I mean, something which has been around for decades and, and is a sequel to a movie that only came out two or three years ago I know ago. I'm that's just saying fine. you know it's, been, it's not original um, Top Gun I love Top I can't wait for it I thought the trailer looked amazing um, the Woman in the Window is a book that I read and really enjoyed um, so I can't wait to see the movie for that it? it's going to be a Hitchcockian movie it's inspired by Rear Window I don't know who's in it sorry um, and then surprising myself because I'm really not a fan we've never reviewed one on this podcast because I don't think one's been released since we did it but the ja- Daniel Craig James Bond movies I am not a fan I find it's them really trailer, dry though, and dull but it's on my looking forward to listen yeah. because No Time to Die the trailer looked awesome like it looked more fun and my main issue with them has always been that they're just like as dull as dishwater. So, and after um, Daniel Craig's turn in Knives Out, I'm a bigger Daniel Craig fan than I've ever been before. Spectre, Spectre, I'm not even joking. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I don't remember that. Yeah, because it was terrible. Was that the you last me, one? I wanted to walk out. I don't remember. We saw it in um, East London. In that oh, lovely little and cinema. The, and like the called? last half hour is them just in the reeds. Walking around in a load of bushes and reeds I'm sorry what is that the end of the movie <laughs> sorry, ha- is what, Javier Bardem in it what are you talking about is Javier Bardem in it are you thinking of Gladiator no it's Javier Bardem in it that's Skyfall right okay fine how do you have such a capacity <laughs> for forgetting movies <laughs> that's why I do a podcast where I tiniest re- little movie review memory. a movie immediately after oh so to get it. it down on record so this, no, no, this podcast is the record of your memory no because I'd have forgotten the movie otherwise anyway oh, so I am genuinely looking forward to No Time To Die what are you looking forward to Wonder Woman 1984 top of my list I yeah. think really excited for that um, and I, interestingly I don't have any Marvel movies here 
Um, I have I mean, a DC like Marvel, movie we've, top. we've done with Marvel. Yeah, I'm kind of. We've got the Eternals. Like Endgame happened. It would be awesome if they just stopped after Endgame. They, or take a break. Yeah. yeah. So there's two. There's two that I can think of coming out this year: Black Widow and the Eternals, the one with Angelina Jolie and Kumail Nanjiani. And I'm not. And look, these. I and I hope those movies are good, and I will go, and I hope to enjoy them. But I'm not excited about them. I'm not particularly yeah. pumped I just feel like Endgame was too epic like I really think if they'd taken you know only 12 months off after Endgame we would have rebuilt our excitement levels again yeah it's just yeah. hard to get excited now because it's just going to keep going yeah Um. so yeah but Wonder Woman just looks fun and again it's yeah it's set in the 80s and 80s is hot right now but but whatever I'm okay with that Uh, Tenet the new Christopher Nolan movie I don't know anything about this I'm, I avoided the trailer because that that man does weird and interesting yeah. things. Uh, I'm hoping for some Inception level, next level weirdness. Uh, don't know anything about it. I'm very excited. The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss looks really interesting. I did watch the trailer for that. Um, Mulan, although I wrote Milan <laughs> on this, so the 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 biopic about AC Milan. <laughs> the, I, look, we talked about The Lion King earlier and this endless parade of pointless Disney remakes. But at least this is actually a live action remake. That's the difference. It's different oh, yeah, from The Lion total King. total difference. Yeah. It actually is people. Um, but Jesus, man, the trailer for this was awesome. Yeah, it looks It looks amazing. incredible. Yeah, it looks um, really good. So I'm really excited for that. But actually, the thing I'm most excited for next year is uh, the new version of Dune by Denis Villeneuve. Um which oh, he did Arrival, right? He did Arrival and Blade Runner 2049 and is my favourite science fiction director working today. And that's an um, awesome book. I read it about 10 years ago and loved it. Mm-hmm. And what, I'm not a huge fan of the David Lynch thing. I think he, he did some really interesting things, but he's very limited by the technology of the time. Mm-hmm. To get the technology we have nowadays with a director like Denis Villeneuve, with source material like that, I'm really, really excited. That for should Dune. be good. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was happening. I read Dune as well. I think after you read it, and I really liked it. So I'd be excited to yeah. see the movie. Yeah, I'm really excited for this. Ooh, cool. Um, also, for the third time on my list, The Lighthouse. Uh, <laughs> I, wrote <this> down, <laughs> I wrote this down a lot. You were dying to see The Lighthouse. And then, lastly, uh, the new Pixar movie, Soul. Oh, that looks good. Looks really nice. Yeah. Uh, and it's by Pete Docter, who did um, Up and Inside Out. So he's oh, one of the best Pixar directors. He's one of the more emotional ones. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's a really good director. Uh, I mean, the opening, we've probably said this before in the podcast, but for me, the best scene of any sequence of any movie I've ever seen is the opening montage of Up. Mm. Like, it gets me just to, if I just hear the music, I'll cry. Like, And it shows up a lot on playlists and stuff. Um, you know, if you're listening to like instrumental the film scores and things like that. Michael Giacana. It's a wonderful, wonderful scene. All right, that's it. Um, so now we're th- done. We're done. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, and we what a ha- year! What a year! Um, and we have some really special listeners who subscribe over on our Patreon to us. That's patreon.com forward slash cinemile. Um, the cinemile. The cinemile. And um, they're like, we love our patrons. They contribute so much um, 
every month. We have such great discussions with them. So we asked them uh, to send us in their best and worst of the year. So we've got a couple of clips of listeners, um, some wildly disagreeing with each other, which is quite fun. So we're going to play those now. Thank you, guys. Yes. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening again this year. Uh, it's been an incredible year. Yeah, we're delighted. We love doing this podcast. We love talking to you all. Yeah. Um, and we'll see you all in the new year yeah, for happy more new year. movies. Happy New Year. Bye. Hi, Kathy, Dave, and the esteemed cinema listeners. Um, my name's Gary from London. Earlier this year, I went to see Midsummer at the cinema. Um, I don't like knowing anything about films in advance, so I went in blind. And whilst it isn't technically the best film I've seen this year, it was definitely my best cinema experience. Uh, just brilliantly shocking, you know, absolutely bonkers. Um, Florence Pugh's acting was fantastic, as were most of those. Um, so, yeah, that's mine. Thank you. Have a great Christmas. Hi Dave and Cathy, it's Steve Potter here. Um, my favourite films of the year are a joint winner of uh, Wild Rose and A Marriage Story. And my worst films of 2019 are the awful Midsummer and equally bad uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Have a great Christmas guys. Thanks. See ya. Hi everyone, my name's Kate. I'm calling from Wisconsin in the US. Uh, my best movie of 2019 was Midsommar. I I can't really say much more than the episode already covered, but it was just so intense, but so bright and so shocking, but so calm at the same. It was just, it just blew my mind. I, that movie is just incredible. Um, and my worst movie of 2019 was Scariest Stories to Tell in the Dark. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. I just expected a lot more from Andre Overdahl and Guillermo del Toro. I thought it was going to be a lot darker. The, the creatures would be scarier. I grew up with those books and they kind of are in my memory as pretty disturbing. So the movie kind of didn't meet my expectations and I kind of didn't realize it was a coming of age movie too, which is not always my bag. So, uh, anyway, it, it wasn't bad. It just, it was just not what I wanted it to be. So thanks for the podcast. Bye. Hi, Dave and Kathy. This is Conrad. I live in Maine, although right now I'm in a cabin in Vermont. My favorite movie that I saw this year was Booksmart, which was clever and energetic and totally unexpected. Um, I thought it was amazing. And uh, Knives Out was a close second, but I really love Booksmart a lot. Thank you. Hey, Kathy and Dave, this is Johnny Keys here. My favourite film of the year was a tie between the incredible documentary Emmanuel about the mass shootings here in Charleston, South Carolina a few years ago and about the amazing story of the victims who chose to forgive the killer, Dylan Roof. Um, it's also tied with the Peanut Butter Falcon, the wonderful story with Shia LaBeouf and newcomer Zach Gozagan, I think his name is, um, the worst film of the year was Serenity with Anne Hathaway and Matthew McConaughey. Absolute trash. Hi Dave, hi Kathy, Jack Naven here. Long time listener, first time voice memo send in thing, whatever this is. Favourite film of the year was Us. I absolutely adored it. I've seen it four times this year. Not on the cinema, a couple on Blu-ray. Um, Jordan Peele, he's not just a comic genius, but he's a master of the horror genre. I'm going to watch anything that man ever does. And so the worst film... I'm sure it wasn't actually the worst, but most disappointing was definitely Rise of Skywalker. Not to be that guy, but uh, just the way I feel. So there we are. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
I'm Jesse Cruikshank, and I've always been told I have a face for podcasting. So I launched a podcast. It's called Phone a Friend because each week I'll break down the biggest stories in pop culture. But when I have questions, I get to phone a friend. I'll phone a royal watcher to find out why Prince Harry is acting like a real housewife. I'll phone a tween to please explain euphoria. And maybe I'll even phone a Backstreet Boy to find out if I still have a chance. I don't? Okay. New episodes drop every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.